Ho, ho, ho! This is a merry, merry Christmas episode starring me alone. How I usually spend my holidays all alone. But we're going to talk about connection and solitude and dopamine and serotonin, the red and the green, the Christmas tree and the Christmas lights and decorations and all those goodies. Woohoo! Merry Christmas! This is the neurochemistry of Christmas. Jingle bells, dingleberries, jingle all the brain. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas, my friends. Today, let's go down the chimney together into your brain and see what's happening on the neurophysiological um, level on this special day for all of us. We know on the subjective level that Christmas feels different. It feels really, really good. It's all happy and jolly and all candy and nice. In general, we feel happier on Christmas. However, occasionally or for some individuals or at some points in our life, we might feel bad. We might feel worse on Christmas actually. Today, we're going to talk about why that is. We'll dig into the Christmas music, food, decorations, movies, festivities, but more importantly, the kind of social connection uh, or isolation that we experience on this day and a whole lot more. And we'll look at all that through a neurochemical lens from the angle of what's happening inside the body and brain. This is by no means a comprehensive coverage of Christmas. There are way too many trinkets and gadgets and variables to cover in one episode. Plus, I'm not like an expert on Christmas. I'm not Santa Claus and I'm not like uh, Santa Huberman. That's the guy who should be doing this probably. But it will be a quite large sampling platter of how this day affects and is controlled by your brain, uh, given my knowledge and uh, perception and experience and blah, blah, blah. Before digging in, we need to kind of paint a background image of how our nervous system works in general throughout the year. Basically, we have two main modes of, of living, of our nervous system. One, there is the sympathetic mode characterized by action, going out into the world, wanting, seeking, grasping, moving toward more resources. Action-based neurochemicals like dopamine and norepinephrine fuel this mode of being. They motivate and push us out beyond our current situation, out of the home, out of what we already have, out of our present reality, and move us toward things outside of ourselves, things that we can suck up and infuse and upgrade our reality with. It's a feeling of we are not and do not have enough. We therefore need to move around outside to get and become more. The heart will be pounding faster and faster, the breath quickening, blood pressure rising, motivation, desire, and ego crashing forward toward the horizon. We cannot relax. We cannot sit still. The world does not feel safe over here. Risk is in the air, and we must breathe it in. Suck it up. If we are ever to stop this wanting, ravenous rampage that never seems to end, if when the cold winter comes, we will even be able to calm down, relax, and simply enjoy and appreciate these fruits of our labor, to take a pause and feel a sense of connection with ourselves through space and time, our identity, with each other, with our world out there, and in here to feel like we are and have enough. This is serotonin. This is safety. This is connection. This is pure being. The place where I think a lot of us want to be on Christmas. So yes, this brings us to mode number two, the parasympathetic mode. 
This is a state of relaxation, calm, gratitude, connection, and contentment. Having rather than wanting, being rather than becoming, existing in the present reality rather than the future or the past. The neurochemical language of the parasympathetic nervous system is inhibitory neurotransmitters and neuromodulators like serotonin and GABA. These literally turn down the electrical activity in the brain, turn off our propensity for action, and pull us into stillness, pausing, slowing down. Once we've already accumulated, collected enough resources and garbage, such as food, money, relationships, alliances, and so on, through that earlier dopamine rampage, that stage, number one, we can chill for a bit, connect up with one another and our deeper selves. Just be. We are strong enough. We have enough. Enough food to nourish us. Enough friends and or family to support us, to back us up just in case. Uh, Enough oxygen to feed our cells, enough money to buy whatever we might need for offense or defense or whatever. But when we have all this serotonin, when we're in this safe, social, parasympathetic mode, we're not really in the mood for either offense or defense. We just want to take a break to be, to connect with all our immediate surroundings, our circle of friends, family, objects, and experiences, identity. Connection and safety is the name of the game not competition, fighting, adventure, or pleasure, or any of that. It's the pause button to your ordinary 2x, 3x, 5x speed life. I'm mentioning all of this because there is a kind of internal battle in our brain, a, a seesawing back and forth between these two modes of existence. We want a smooth, balanced mix between these two states. And the particular ratio or rhythm of that mix is, of course, going to differ from person to person. But in general, if we are too far on one extreme, we start feeling bad, feeling unhappy. Too much serotonin, safety, and calm, and we start feeling bored, stagnant, hungry. We start wanting freedom, craving risk and adventure to move toward the other planets, a more action-based side of the seesaw. We want more. We want growth. Break time is over. We are ready to return to collection, hunting, gathering, seeking mode. Rev up the engines. This sleigh is leaving the shed. Dust it off and get old Rudolph and Prancer and Dancer all ready to go. Do some leg squats for them. Make them get into action. Yes, there we go. Yeah, likewise, if we are too ramped up, if our engine is overheating and heart, breath, and brain cells have been pounding and pounding it, 150, 170 beats per minute for too long, then of course we want to rest. And once we feel like we then have gathered enough resources, whatever those resources might be that you feel you need at the moment, then you can relax. You start craving connections with other people and creatures, with nature, with your larger self, through time, with the universe, maybe God. Before, you were too connected, too safe. So you Sought out solitude, individuality, ego, and danger. But now you're on the other extreme, feeling too alone, tired of the whiplash between pleasure and pain, exhausted from meaningless sex, drugs, and candy. You thought you'd never say this, but you want love. You want someone to hug, to to share your life with, to dance around the Christmas tree with. You know, rocking around the Christmas tree. 
with the one I love. Those aren't their lyrics, but yeah, whatever. And I will definitely get into the topic of Christmas very, very soon. Very soon, like in a few sentences, probably. But just you wait. This prelude is almost done. I got to see my last little bit. And the point of all this is to highlight that while this feels like a very special day, time of year, and it is, it is also part of a much larger undulation process, a rhythmic beating of our nervous system and life. And of course, zooming out even further, we do not exist in isolation from the rest of the creatures, objects, and phenomena in this universe. We are intertangled, intermeshed with it all. So not only is there this sort of boom, 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 beating of our lives, seesawing back and forth between serotonin and dopamine, calm and excitement, having and wanting, being and doing, present and future, and on and on, but that same undulation or pulsation or vibration or whatever you want to call it is happening with everything around us. So when thinking about Christmas and the brain, we also need to remember other important facts about the world at this time of year. It is, in many parts of the world, winter. It's colder, darker, more dangerous. Resources are more scarce and hard to come by. Without sufficient resources and or social support, we are more likely to suffer and perhaps even die. Like most of the other animals in winter, we feel this. We know this in our bones, even in our prefrontal cortex, in our brain. We know it consciously. Perhaps we even recognize it um, and we think about it. Perhaps it's all we can think about because we just do not have enough. We feel like crap, like we're going to die or at least suffer um, or be alone or you know not feel good. So it is no coincidence that Christmas falls smack dab in the middle of all of this. It seems like, duh, obviously, but perhaps this is why we tend to seek out more connection-based, calming social neurochemicals and hormones and things like serotonin and oxytocin, that we want more love and connection during the Christmas holidays. It's more practical, simply practical from a survival and health standpoint. Still, we can't just choose to feel calm, relaxed, and safe. Calm down, calm down, relax, relax. Come on, can't that's not how you relax. You just, there are little tricks we can play by using certain breath or eye movements, for example, or by consuming certain nutrients, supplements, sounds, smells, etc. But basically, those calming chemicals are a result of a kind of after-the-fact reward for literally having enough, having done enough, put in the work. When you have enough resources, mates, nutrients, allies, etc., and your body and mind knows it, you will calm down. You'll get that chill, feel-good feeling from serotonin, GABA, and oxytocin. And if you don't have enough, if you're in some state of poverty, socially, financially, nutritionally, or whatever, you will start craving, wanting, seeking those resources. Because that's what's going to help you calm down and help you feel better. You don't have it right now, so you're going to feel bad. Temporarily, you will get into dopamine mode, action mode, cranking up the sympathetic nervous system, not just because you want to get all high and uh, out of the unhappy, unfulfilled trench that you're kind of stuck in at the moment, but as a means to reach safety and calm, to get to a place where you feel like you have enough, that you are enough, where resources are, are ample or plenty, and you can just chill, take a break, connect with and appreciate what you already have. But 
until you get there, you're going to have to keep on hunting, having to keep getting on out there. Somewhat alone, yes, swimming through the extremes, the unpredictable waves of pleasure and pain, novelty, risk, excitement, and perhaps even addiction, sometimes feeling like a loser, and maybe sometimes like a king, but you don't, you can't really control all that. Um, that's not how dopamine works. That's not um, how this world of excitement and sympathetic mode is. Yeah, so you'll be kind of trapped in a maze of never enough, but ultimately, you want to get out of that maze. You don't want to live in that forever. Yeah, maybe you're a teenager, maybe when you're in your 20s, uh, maybe during the summertime, uh, here and there, maybe at noontime, but you don't want to be there all freaking day, all your whole freaking life. How tiring and exhausting that gets. You want to find a safe little home, a, a place where you can sit safely up on a little hill, basking in love, connection, safety, and calm, looking down on that rainbow and lightning-covered forest of adventure and new resources and possibilities below and still once again even after hauling all your toys and trinkets and junk up that hill relaxing and all that safety and all your toys and treasures and friends and blah 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 yeah uh, you will get bored up there it's not that fun it's like uh, like it's like heaven right you will miss your good old wild unpredictable hunter-gatherer working days i was a little i was the most coolest boy in town those ladies for all of me I had 16 girlfriends one summer oh yes i did yeah you want to get back into that stuff right and you will sneak off sneak back off into that forest one night here and there leaving a safe perfect world you have built have perfected because uh you're in search of more you want to grow you're a human being so you flip on the lights, you rev up the engine, or I guess the, the lights flip themselves on and the engine revs itself up. But yeah, yeah you're, you're, you're out there again. You're going. You're, where am I going? Why am I leaving this perfect little home? Yeah, well, you are. Dopamine's pouring in. Adrenaline and cortisol are flooding through your gas tank, the brain of yours. And you, and you go down there to gather more bricks, sticks, and chicks with which to upgrade your castle on the hill with. Uh, or maybe build a new castle and leave that one behind. Who knows? You thought you were safe enough, good enough, big enough, rich enough, but after sitting in that perfectly good castle for far too long, too many days, you started peering down through the window in those stone walls and dreaming up bigger possibilities for yourself. You saw a bigger castle belonging to God knows who off there on the horizon. Maybe it's not even real. Maybe it's just in your imagination. And you're like, ooh, I want that one. I want that one. Who's that? Who's that? He had to be okay for that one. Ooh-wee. And hunger and passion, desire and dopamine reawoke your dragon within, breathing fire through the forest, slamming your dragon dong through the swamp, pummeling down that forest with that schlong. You swung back into youth, sank back into the pain pleasure maze full of tricks and treats and dibbles and daddles. And, oh, look, what's flying over there, over the castle and forest, sweeping up through the stars and down through the swamp? It's Santa Claus and his 910 reindeer. And he says, ho, 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 on with the show. Enough philosophy, neurology, or whatever you want to call it. This is my day. This is my episode. Okay, okay, Santa, just don't freaking yell at me. You're all fat and scary. I, I don't know if you seem kind of psycho. Watch all those reindeers and why are you all alone and what are you doing up here all night? Anyway, the big fat guy has a point. Let's tie all this back to the main topic of today, Christmas. Christmas and the brain. Christmas and the brain. Maybe I'm the psycho one. Uh, maybe I am Santa. No, I'm not. Santa is definitely not me. I am far too skinny, as I have been told. Main point, anyway, about this episode. Uh, let's get on with it. Before we dig into all the nuts and bolts, though, the candy canes and the 
candy corns and jelly beans and jawbreakers uh, is this. Christmas is primarily a season of serotonin, at least for most people. Uh, a time to stop all the excitatory madness of wanting, of solitude, of action, of me, 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 and pausing and relaxing back into what you already have. Pure being, connection, trust, safety, and calm. Yes, a season of serotonin, oxytocin, and all their calming friends. However, sprinkling in just the right amount of dopamine, adrenaline, and fun, tasty, exciting, delicious madness. Christmas really is, in this ideal state, a sweet, perfect, sweet and sour mix of happiness, pleasure, and bliss. But things are rarely, if ever, perfect and ideal. Probably never. So everyone's Christmas brain is going to be different. The things we talk about today are general principles. Yes, we all want to have a merry, merry Christmas, but our way of doing so will largely depend on the social, economic, biological state in which we specifically, personally, enter Christmas with. If we already have enough have enough money, friends, partners, partner, etc. by December 25th, then we will likely gravitate towards spending that day in a calming, relaxing, connected way with what we have. Christmas, at least in the West, is a family holiday. Maybe we spend with friends a little bit, but we gather together with loved ones, basically. Perhaps friends, yeah, perhaps lovers, but that's all we want. We don't really want to be all alone, um, unless you're the Grinch or the Scrooger. Perhaps me. (laughs) In many Asian countries like Japan, it's a time for romance, a day to spend with your lover. Maybe shack up in hotel, shack it up, shack it up, shack away. Merry Christmas along the way. Have some dinner, um, see some Christmas lights together, give each other a gift. Uh, maybe uh, go back in the hotel again after all that, because that's probably what you mainly want. Anyway, assuming we have the option, regardless of our culture or wherever we are in the world or whatever stage we are in life, childhood, adulthood, or old age, we will usually choose not to spend this day alone. But there are people who do spend this time alone. We'll, We'll get into that. Part of this is cultural. There are certain norms and traditions pushing us toward each other, toward a state of connectedness on this day, in this season. But it is also biological remember it's usually usually more cold dark and and dangerous on christmas yeah maybe not in australia or some weird countries like that where they have it backwards but yeah it's usually cold in the state of nature and for all our body knows we need each other for survival at this time of year Um, in modern times yeah we can survive alone we can use money and artificial alliances maybe artificial intelligence but yeah these are sort of fake um, social ties such as employees hookers uh, flickering, never-ending images of porn stars to fool ourselves into a feeling of social connection, of safety, that we have everything we need, that we're good enough, and we, we got it all, and indeed, perhaps we are safe, perhaps we are connected, and that this is a merry, merry Christmas after all, uh, all alone uh, on our computer in some hotel room with an empty wallet or whatever. But let's be honest, no one really wants to spend Christmas alone or through these sort of fake artificial uh, relationships. I, I wouldn't even call them that. Uh, uh, it's sort of uh, arrangements. <laughs> More than probably any other day of year, we do not want to be alone. We want to connect with and be with others, with something larger than ourselves, even if it's you know uh, through our imagination or um, through some kind of prayer, with, uh, a sort of communion with God or something. We don't want to be totally alone. At least we want to get onto nature and connect with the trees and the uh, mushrooms and stuff. I mean, just normal, normal uh, mushrooms. I'm not talking about anything else, but we'll also get into that. Um, I guess other days like this 
might include your birthday, Valentine's Day, your anniversary, um, and of course, the, the day you die, or the day you think you're going to die, which might be many. Anyway, something special happens around December. As the days get shorter and the nights get colder, it's as if Rudolph's red, shiny nose starts blasting its laser beam onto the, the reality of our lives, the social, economic um, reality of what we are, where we stand. We can somewhat fool ourselves about our social status, our resources, our connections, our happiness during other times of year. For example, uh, in summer, when dopamine, adrenaline, and testosterone and all those action-based things are running high, when everyone, even homeless people, can feel flooded in enough resources, you can feel safe enough, even if you are alone, you got plenty, you know, you're not going to die, you're not going to freeze to death, even if you can't find shelter, even if you're stuck out there, you're, eh, you're kind of okay. You'll most likely find food, even if you have to beg for it or pull it out of a garbage can and brush off all the lint and hair and weird little sticks and things off of it. Yeah, um, uh, uh, condom wrappers. No, come on, man, you're not gonna eat that. Don't eat that, man. You wait, just, have you heard about fasting? Yeah, um, you're gonna be okay. And even if you are actually rich or middle class or you have a job, you, you just have a job, even a crappy, shitty little job, it's so much easier to be alone as an individual, away from the crowd, away from connections in the summer months, uh, also the summer months of your of your life. Uh, we call this youth, uh, or 20s and 30s. You can take risks and get back up. You can live paycheck to paycheck. You can break up with your boyfriend or girlfriend last minute or quit your job because there are usually plenty of other sources of sexual, romantic, financial gratification, etc. So summer is, in a way, a, a season or a peak delusion time uh, sort of world of fantasy that we live in that kind of fades away and, and turns into winter. A time of risk and adventure, a time of dopamine and testosterone, pleasure and pain, of falling down and getting back up, of being careless and wasteful and yet still okay. There's plenty of sunlight and temperatures are warm. There is so much abundance that we feel we do not need close bonds with each other. We are enough as we are. We want our freedom, our solitude, our independence. And perhaps we are right. But winter does fall in each year and at certain periods of our life. And this is a time when a lot of resources, um, those things that we thought would never end, are frozen or already gobbled up or we just can't get them. We must live off whatever we already have, and oftentimes, that is not enough. So where are we going to get it? Well, that's why we need each other. We could go out there cranking up our dopamine and hunt for more, but good luck. <laughs> You're probably worn out, and the environment out there is not as friendly as it used to be because there's just less out there, and it's, it's colder. Maybe you're older. It's darker uh, and more dangerous. We must therefore band together, even if it's just in twos or threes or fours or fives, um, to share, to protect, to take a break together. Plus, all that running around and work, work, work throughout the year, throughout our lives has probably tired us out. Your body and mind are ready for a rest. And the same is true for many of those around you, most of them, I'd say, even for most of the animals and plants and trees. The universe as a whole, being together, connected, brings us safety, both psychologically and physically. Not just for humans, but for all of these mammals and other animals. And We are a universe. Hence, Christmas is a time to spend together with other people, family, friends, lovers, etc., and uh, the natural and spiritual world out there beyond us. And we can get 
pretty desperate. This is a time of desperation, especially social desperation um, on this special day called Christmas or when it's sort of coming up. You can feel it. Oh my God, I'm going to be alone. You'll just, similarly, when we're getting older, uh, reaching retirement, um, yeah, we start to smell the, yeah, the danger uh, on the loom and we might just want to snag up whatever we can find. Uh, yeah, so maybe coming November, come to December, you'll just probably take whatever you can get, snag up some random last minute boyfriend or girlfriend or go out to the bars with that random acquaintance that you don't really like, have a little Christmas dinner together, all smiling and pretending to be friends because you're both single and familyless and friendless and alone. It is what it is. Better luck next year, but the years are fading away. There, there's only so many left, but we need to get through this day, get through this year. We need serotonin now. We need to feel calm and okay somehow. So let's just accept our fate and, and use each other. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's just kind of smart, right? Hopefully we will not need each other next year or perhaps through spending these dark nights together. I mean, because we had to, or it sort of sounded like the best option, we will actually become friends and, and our lives will go on together, all better together. We'll take what we can get. And sometimes that thing that looked like trash or, you know, dumb person turns out to be like your best little friend or whatever. And if we don't have any people we always have technology, drugs, drugs, and food, food. By stuffing our faces um, with all these goodies, savory or sweet, we can fill our bellies, temporarily satiate ourselves, our minds, and everything. Whenever we eat anything, we get serotonin. Serotonin is sort of the signal, oh, you got it, you got the resources, it's there, let's turn off. But some foods increase it even more. For example, since tryptophan, tryptophan is a precursor to serotonin. Literally, tryptophan turns into serotonin in the body and brain. We can use tryptophan-containing foods to sort of uh, increase our serotonin, increase our feeling of calm, our sense of status and safety and all this through food. Specifically, tryptophan is, yes, you guessed it, found in foods like turkey. Don't eat me. I got one serotonin too. When you eat me, I got none left for me. Yeah, yeah, what's turkey? What's turkey serotonin worth anyway? Come on, guys. Don't be saying that. Just just eat the guy and stop talking to him. That's not gonna that's gonna oh, whatever. Um, no coincidence, this is one of the foods popularly eaten on Christmas and the overall surrounding season, starting around Thanksgiving and ending at the new year, sort of a general time of connection and gratitude and thanks and connection, blah blah blah. Think about it like this, just like how from up in space, we have, we can kind of see these mega cities, these larger metropolitan areas like New York, Boston, and Washington, for example, look like one big city of lights from up there, as does uh, here in Japan, Tokyo, Nagoya, Osaka. It's kind of one giant mega city. The whole country kind of is actually. And then we have um, like Vancouver, Seattle, and Portland. It's kind of one mega city. Likewise, within our own body and brain, this is sort of a Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year, smashed together, giant, uh, month or two long holiday. Uh, it's like one big electrical light parade of connection, safety, and serotonin. I mean, if you really think about it, Christmas isn't only on December 25th. It's a whole month of music, movies, cookies, festivities, and lights, and all these kind of social gatherings and thingies. Um, Thanksgiving to New Year's is really kind of one big, long serotonin binge. Uh, of course, with like enough dopamine, uh, chocolate chips and sprinkles and stuff sprinkled on top, infused throughout, 
here and there. Uh, these end-of-year holidays around the world are, are especially social and, and therefore serotonergic. Therefore, no coincidence, the foods we eat during this time also tend to be those which produce more serotonin within us. Turkey is a big one. Gobble, gobble, don't eat me again. I already ate you back. But other high tryptophan foods include chicken, well, white meat in general, fish, and carbohydrates, especially starchy ones, mm, the ones we kind of love and we think we can't eat, but actually they might be good for us at some times of the day and sometimes of the year, especially when we, we want to get all connected up and sleepy, sleepy and relaxed. Yes, I'm talking about things like rice, mm, rice, bread, bread, potatoes, potatoes, sweet potatoes. Oh, I love my sweet potatoes. Yummy, yummy, yummy. Yes, those are some of them. And some people, yes, they do eat fish on Christmas. I know it's weird. It's probably kind of freaky from your perspective but for example they do this in france fiji jomini yas and jomini we eat fish yummy yummy and parts of africa i heard i've never been there um, but apparently they eat fish i don't know how fresh it is in the center of africa probably not very might be some river fish i don't know you gotta look it up anyway yeah fish for christmas it's a thing fish for christmas Reese's for breakfast, yummy. What? I want Christmas every day. Mmm. Yeah. Speaking of fish or mermaids or whatever flippity flappity underwater alien you like to eat, we know that fish is high in omega threes. Omega threes are so good for your brain. Yes, they are. We know it. Omega threes. Omega threes. Blah 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 blah. EPA, DHA. Whoa whoa whoa. Yes, which they are great for your brain. We know that. Obviously, everyone knows that these days. Perhaps the best thing for your brain. I don't know if we know that, but yeah, it's, it's probably the best thing for your brain aside from, of course, water, because water's like the main thing for us, right? And perhaps uh, the basic electrolytes like magnesium and sodium and potassium and all that. Um, but yeah, electrolytes, water, omega-3s, those are kind of the uh, foundational uh, nutrients for our, our brain and well, our body, yeah. Our brain is made of fat. Our brain is made of fat. Did you know that? It's like 70% fat. I don't know. I'm just throwing out these numbers because I'm sick of these people spilling out these freaking facts about attrition and whatnot. I've heard a billion freaking times. And I'm probably doing the same thing right now. What a gross ass dude. Why are you making a podcast about this? Aren't there already a million? Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. That's how I like to spend my Christmas and my weekends and stuff. What a weirdo. Yeah. Um, it is what it is. I am what I am. You know what he was when you picked him up? You can always unsubscribe. Please unsubscribe and unfollow if you don't like me. Oh, no, no, no. Don't do that. Oh, my God. Why did I say it? Now they're all gone. I'm all alone. It's all alone because he said it. You get what you ask for. Woo. Be careful what you wish for because it might come true. Yes, our brain is made of fat. Uh, we need these healthy fats. And fish are obviously a great and excellent source of them. Mm, one of the most excellent sources of all we might say. Plus, omega-3s help reduce inflammation. Inflammation, another one of those keywords that you love so much. And you might not know this, or maybe you do, but too much inflammation kills, destroys that conversion of tryptophan from chicken or fish or carbs or whatever into serotonin. Yeah, so yeah, tryptophan does not equal serotonin, but tryptophan in the ideal state in the non-inflamed body usually gets converted into serotonin, but there's sort of a process, there's, uh, there's little steps in between. And if you're all inflamed, uh, the whole equation kind of just breaks down and uh, you, you don't get the serotonin. Tryptophan does not equal serotonin. It's a necessary but not sufficient condition for serotonin for all you logicians out there and magicians and mathematicians. Um, anybody can really take that equation and put that in the bank. That is money. 
Yeah. So um, if you're if you're kind of uh, inflamed, you're eating inflammatory foods and doing the things, not getting sleep and whatnot, um, then yeah, that perfectly good tryptophan, which is ready to get turned into serotonin, is happy to do it. It's there. It's just ready to go. Um, it wants to help calm you down and help you feel like you have enough. But you're inflamed. It, that's not how the body works. So that tryptophan gets redirected down another pathway. Over here, that's not your door. This one is a dark, scary, evil-looking path. It's all scraggly with blackberries. Not the delicious-looking ones, but the poisonous-looking ones, in which there's, like, witches crackling around it, like, hee, hee, hee. And you're like, oh, I don't want to go down there. And you're like, well, it's too late. You already signed up. And, oh, my God, there's no serotonin, no calmness, none of that good stuff. Instead, you get a neurotoxin. A neurotoxin? What the heck? I thought I was doing something good for myself. Well... Shouldn't have been getting all inflamed. Like, we know how not to do that. Anyway, there are some ways not to do that. Uh, for example, get your sleep. Don't eat all that fried food. Uh, I don't know. You heard about it on a million podcasts. I'm not going to repeat it. But this is what it is. This is the reality of what you are right now. Um, that inflamed state of yours will destroy your brain and your mood. And it can happen real quick. Just toss in a freaking fried fritter down that hatchet, and you're going to feel like that dead turkey. God, no. Ugh. Not me. Happens to us all. It's like taking a perfectly good tomato and turning it into ketchup. A potato to french fry. Potato chip. Taking an angel and transforming it into a demon. <laughs> no demons. No ketchup. No more french fries. We want serotonin, right? We want serotonin. So do whatever you can to keep that inflammation at bay. For example, through yeah, getting those omega-3s. That'll that'll sort of do the trick. Uh, do some of the trick. Getting enough sleep, uh, getting the sunlight. Yeah, you know you know how it goes. Uh, in Japan, here's the thing: they go nuts. They go nutty, nutty, nutcracker for KFC fried chicken on Christmas. Hideous, freaking hideous. And they think we Americans do that. They think they think they're doing like, the trendy, cool thing. But no, they they just it's only them. They're all they got their own little trendy world, and it's a trend of chicken, chicky chicky trend. Yeah, it's tasty and whatever. But whatever tryptophan they get through this chicken, chicken nuggets. Chicken nuggets don't got it, I don't think. But I mean, I don't know if KFC has it. But yeah, if it's chicken, it probably has some tryptophan. But since that is covered in fried vegetable oil-laden batter, that tryptophan ain't turning into serotonin. Not today. No siree. Come back another day. It's going to sink down that water slide over there, the dark, rusty, crusty little one with cackling demons and ghouls. Um covered in uh, webs and gobbledygoo, goblin goo, goblins, juicy underwater goo that plummets you down into the pools of hell. Okay, yeah, yeah. So that uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken in Japan, uh, yeah, it might make you all holly and jolly and randy and whatever for a minute or two. The randiness might stay. I I, I notice when I get inflamed, I get really randy. I think the fire equals fire. Anyway, that's another thingy. I got to sort out myself. But anyway, that inflammation, that, that fried chicken, the fried whatever, the fried meat, mm, yummy, yummy, yummy. But it is not going to make your Christmas very merry. No, it won't. Same goes for alcohol and cookies and sweets and all the other all the other junk that we eat, that we tend to eat on Christmas. Yeah, it'll, it'll increase the serotonin, the feeling of contentment and calm and relaxation for a little bit. Enough so that it'll even knock you out, freaking put you to sleep like a, like a, a little punch to the face and the belly. You're out, out cold. 
cold, cold winter's night, and he missed Christmas morning because he was sleeping off that freaking cookie, cake, beer, eggnog hangover. I never even had eggnog. My family isn't that kind of family. But ultimately, yeah, you're going to sleep, whatever, and it's going to plummet those serotonin levels over the long term and leave you feeling worse off overall in the following days. So uh, you probably won't have a happy new year either uh, unless you cover it up with alcohol or more junk. So the best source of serotonin is through actual social connection, having solid things, real things, people who you love and love you back, money, resources, things that you're proud of that make you feel confident and good and strong, uh, feeling a status that lasts longer than a, a freaking chocolate chip cookie or gingerbread man or uh, peppermint from that random grandpa who just gave it to you and ate it anyway and wasn't even wrapped up. It's all covered in lint. So your merry little Christmas really starts way earlier in the year, perhaps in the preceding summer or spring even. Uh, get yourself a job, a mate, a house, a pile of food, a, a set of habits and routines that make you proud, a properly functioning, non-addicted body before Santa comes knocking on the door or sliding down the chimney. By that time, it's basically already too late. You're going to be rushing off to the drug dealers or bakeries or bars or hooker dens or whatever by then, because that's the only place you can get the serotonin, dopamine, all that. You won't have any other choice, really, to get the long, healthy, long-sustaining, long-lasting versions of this that you get from real meaningful action in life. You get the sort of temporary junk that's going to make you feel okay, it's going to give you those neurochemicals, but in the end, you just feel bad. So, I mean, if you haven't done the, put in the work or if the work didn't really pay off uh, throughout the year or the preceding years or whatever led you to whatever led you to where you are in life right now, you're just going to have to uh, accept your fate and, and, and feel bad uh, for a season or two or find some other way to feel appreciative or um, snag up whatever scraps you have and find some kind of appreciation somewhere. Maybe use your imagination. I don't know. It's not going to be easy. <laughs> Happiness takes work. And I know we can't just choose to have resources. Much easier said than done. But ultimately, serotonin and the feeling of calm and being relaxed is a consequence of that. The success of having put in the work and gained certain things, status, resources, relationships, etc. We can use little hacks like cookies and treats and technologies, but those are really only like band-aids, little uh, pills that aren't going to really solve anything. For true longer lasting contentment and calm, you really do need safety, which you achieve through having real social alliances, resources, skills, etc. So it takes time to get there and it is a never ending journey. Even when you feel like you're there, that you have enough, you just start looking off toward another mountain peak, one that's a little bit bigger, another horizon. But still, at least during Christmas, we can try to chill out for a bit and relax on our existing plateau with each other, hopefully. If you are alone, or even if you are with others, certain foods, particularly those containing tryptophan and reducing uh, those which increase inflammation, those foods will help you increase serotonin. The tryptophan ones will. Carbohydrates, including um, those from all your Christmas candies, will also help. But uh, they're also uh, messing up your dopamine levels and all kinds of other hormones. Uh, Better to stick with the turkey, the chicken, the fish, or other clean, natural foods, uh, rice and potatoes. Uh, yeah, stay, stay away from the candy. Go for the white meats and the starchy carbs. That's going to be your um, best bet. It also makes sense why these foods 
tend to make us sleepy. When you're safe and calm, you feel, uh, yeah, it's okay to rest. I'm not going to get hurt. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm protected. No more need for action. The new game in town right now is stillness, rest, silence, just being. Go to sleep. You're good. You have all you need until you wake up hungry for more, which that's just sort of part of the game of life. Anyway, it's Christmas now. You've worked hard enough throughout the year. You can take a little break, sleep. Your body and brain needs it. Do it together. Do it alone. Do it with whoever you can, whoever you love and trust the most or want to start loving and trusting. Um, Yeah. And if you are alone, especially at this time of year, both your serotonin and dopamine levels, unfortunately, will likely be lower. Your happiness, your overall mood will be lower. So you will naturally start seeking out other human or non-human sources of these neurochemicals. You might um, go toward alcohol or other drugs, sugar, carbs, uh, whatever your source or sources happen to be. Carbohydrates are a popular way to blunt or temporarily overcome this uh, sadness or depression that comes with winter solitude. Uh, Not only, as we mentioned, do carbohydrates often contain tryptophan and and therefore increase serotonin, they also turn off the cortisol, uh, the stress that you're feeling. Which Sometimes you want stress, but maybe you don't want stress on Christmas. You just want to relax, right? Carbs, in particular starchy ones, blunt that cortisol release, uh, increase serotonin, and help you feel calmer, safer, better, at least for now. You can keep on eating them, keep on eating them, but in the long term, that's not really good news. It's not going to solve the problem. It's not the best long-term strategy. Uh, You're just going to get all fat and sick, right? It might hold you over for a day or two, though, and sometimes you do need it, especially certain times of the day and certain times of the year in your life and whatnot. You got to sort of figure that out for yourself, but you can't just keep eating carbs. That's not going to solve anything. Uh, And ultimately, you got to solve the underlying problem, the real life existential problem that's sort of underlying this whole thing, right? However hard that might be, you got to raise your status, your resources, um, finding more meaningful job, have other people in your life that you can love and trust. Um, Those are the quickest ways to do this. Not the quickest, but the the ways that sort of work in the end. Somehow getting a higher paying job, or at least a job that you are more proud of, doing work that, uh, that you like, that too really, really helps. But like I said, Easier said than done. I know, I know. I keep blabbing on and on about serotonin, but another fascinating thing about this neuromodulator is that not only do we get more of it when we feel connected with other people, with nature, the universe, God, ourselves, our uh, larger life story, identity, who we really want to be, etc., all of it, but when we have serotonin, we feel more connected. So it works both ways, in both directions. Serotonin equals connection, and connection equals serotonin. And yes, social connection, connection with other people, uh, other creatures similar to ourselves might um, be best, but we can really connect with anything and that will give us rises in serotonin and feelings of safety and connection. Serotonin opens us up. It creates connections, not only in our brain, yes, it increases neuroplasticity, which is one of the current theories for why SSRIs, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, actually relieve depression. It's not that people with depression are necessarily low in serotonin. Yes, maybe they are. We don't know. They might be. But serotonin, which you're going to have more of when you take these SSRIs, these antidepressants, which I'm not recommending you take. I'm really not recommending it, but uh, some people might need it. I don't know. I'm not a doctor or nothing that. I don't want to be. Serotonin opens up the plasticity. 
it rewires and connects your brain up all together in new ways that you couldn't do before. That's what serotonin does. It changes the way you think and feel because there's new connections, perhaps connecting certain fragmented memories together to help you make make a more cohesive uh, story or uh, uh, have a better sense of yourself and your life and your past, helping you perceive connections between you and other things and people and nature and the world and everything. This is also one of the reasons why psychedelics such as psilocybin, the magic mushrooms, work. They help you feel and perceive previously unseen connections, invisible connections that you just couldn't see. Now you can. Your eyes open up, your body opens up, your senses open up, and serotonin is surging through you, creating connections in your brain, and you feel more connected, less alone, less therefore in danger, both during and after the trip. Similarly, with MDMA, ecstasy, this floods your brain in serotonin, creating connections. But, of course, it's also um, increasing a lot of dopamine. I mean, MDMA. There's two M's in there. The M's stand for meth. Yes, methamphetamine. This is the methamphetamine that you're thinking of. That's what it is. Mm, yeah, something to think about. Anyway, you'll get a kind of a, yeah, dopamine, excitement, action-oriented high. You'll want to do things, uh, maybe dance or hug or move around and get things or take some kind of actions or whatever. But all that serotonin, and not to mention oxytocin, which is also why you feel really good and your touch feels really good when you're high on this stuff, um, that you will also get from MDMA. The serotonin helps kind of connect things back up together in your brain, your life, your world, socially, physically, emotionally, etc. No wonder it's, it's one of the drugs used for treating uh, PTSD and trauma in general. I'm not recommending that drugs are the path, but I'm just sort of illustrating these are kind of the mechanisms. This is why these drugs kind of work and why they make us feel better and why they help us with traumas and understanding ourselves and feeling more connected and uh, more loving and all these other kind of opening up um, connected social things, helping solve depression and PTSD and and whatnot. Anyway, uh, another uh, sort of core feature of the psychedelic experience is um, this kind of immersion or melting together with the presence in your environment, with your environment. The world around you, it's all kind of one, right? You're kind of melty, melty together, right? Oh my God, I am not alone. The ego, the individual self kind of fades into the background. It's still there. You still have a sort of sense of your body and, and who you are, but you become more kind of one with, more connected with the world, with each other, with all of it, with even God and um, you know other dimensions. Or It, it really depends on how, how far it, it, it affects you. This happens in space with the world and people around you, yeah, and in time. With your memories, your past, your future, your thoughts, etc., things just kind of start making more sense. Things start connecting up, linking up, and when you feel more connected, you're more relaxed, and calm. You reach a space of safety. You're in parasympathetic land. It seems in our normal waking life, we are often in this sort of interoceptive mode, this mode of being focused on ourselves, the whole inner world behind our skin, and particularly behind our skull. It's kind of a, a me, me, me kind of thing. What about me? Oh, me, me, me. And as a social mammal, a creature that ultimately relies on others, yes, it's important to care about ourselves, but we can never truly relax while trapped in that myopic mode of, of perception, of, of looking sort of so inward, so focused in on what we are, and what we're going to do, and what we're going to have. When we open up and zoom out and merge back into with the external world and each other, yes, we will lose 
oh my God, we'll lose it. I don't want to lose it. We'll lose some of that freedom and, and sense of individuality, which which hurts, especially uh, our dopamine levels. But that exterception, that awareness of melting into your external environment full of uh, so many beautiful, powerful things and people that, that will, that might support you, that might love you, that probably will love you, that will make sure you're okay, at least some of them will. When you can sense all of that loving energy inviting you in, you can accept it. You can accept some of it, at least the safe, uh, attractive-looking ones, and go toward it and relax. Since you are bigger than yourself, and you literally are through these social cohesive networks that you formed or this bonding and understanding that you have, have built with nature and your environment and everything else in your life, a positive symbiotic relationship between you and others, you and nature, you and the world, you will know that everything is okay. That heart, that boom, 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 boom heart can stop beating so fast. You can stop scrambling around high on dopamine and adrenaline, grasping at everything, consuming it like a parasite, killing both of you in the process. This coming together, this deep connection, these relationships, love might sound like kind of hell, a sort of torment or prison, the worst possible thing that you can imagine if you're an individualist, if you're a free bird, a playboy, I'm kind of battling whether or not I want this myself. I mean, I always thought I'd want to be free and alone and, and do my own little path. I'm a typical man, a typical American in that way, I guess. And now I'm starting to change. I mean, I'll be honest. I, I did spend Christmas alone. I, I don't have, I have friends, but I don't really have uh, friends or family or whatever in Japan. I have a couple, but not really, not really. I guess, and that's the thing about Christmas is, is, is the reality hits you. You're like, well, I don't really have friends. I definitely don't have family, not in Japan. Um, why is that? I don't know, but it is what it is. Uh, I think I halfway sort of brought that upon myself. I, I wanted it. I like this um, alone stuff. Uh, this is why I do the podcast and whatnot. Um, am I fully happy? Am I, am I complete? Uh, no, of course not. Uh, but th- th- this is what life is. It's full of sacrifices and, and we're never going to be fully um, balanced and and we're going to have the perfect mix of serotonin and dopamine. I, I still get my serotonin, I guess, in a way, but through this sort of um, imaginary process of, um, well, it's not imaginary. I, I am doing something I'm proud of, something I like, um, but you do need people, and I'm, and I'm, starting, I'm starting to feel that. I, I, you, you do feel it on Christmas. And the point is, perhaps I liked being a, a lone wolf, and, and I, I, I think I still do, but the beautiful thing about Christmas is that, yeah, it wakes you up. It shines Rudolph's red nose, that red light beam, that you cannot ignore onto your reality. No more hiding, no more delusions. When you have, you literally have no one to spend Christmas with or no one that you want to spend Christmas with, at least not in your immediate surroundings, it's hard to lie to yourself and, and, and tell yourself that you have friends, that people love you and that you love them and that you're not alone. It's a holiday primarily of connection and togetherness. So that's what we're going to enjoy if we have it or seek if we don't have it, or just kind of lie in misery and sadness and give up. And feeling connected is, is not a terrible feeling. It's basically a psychedelic trip. Think about your childhood. You were, you were so melted into the world. I'm talking about like before you hit puberty. You're like 10 or you're 8 or something this time. Um, you're just all like melty in the, the world. You're all connected up, um, hopefully with a mother and a father, uh, maybe some siblings and friends, at least the world around you, maybe a pet, a tree, um, you're kind of okay. You got something that you love, right? You got some toys at least. Even if that world was sometimes mean or or cruel to you, you you didn't take things so personally. You felt kind of invincible. You felt, oh, I'm, I'm I mean, this is I mean, I'm more than 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 me. I I'm, this world is 
you are literally being in the world in the Heideggerian sense. You're so mixed in with it that you're not even focusing on yourself. Maybe you are, but you get more and more focused uh, the older you get, and then you kind of unfocus again as you get older and realize, oh, well, I was too zoomed in. Let's zoom out a little bit. And yeah, so anyway, as a child, you you, you sort of have this sense of safety. Your your foot and, and the soccer ball and the field and the sun and yesterday and tomorrow all kind of melt together into one smooth ice cream sundae or something. Um, or maybe it didn't. Maybe you didn't have uh, parents who loved you or expressed their love to you. You, you felt emotionally or physically alone. Um, you were bullied. Uh, you're a loser. All that. Uh, that's that's okay. I mean, it, it is what it is. But yeah, you might have been alone as a kid. I, I was kind of alone as a kid. I'm, I'm a bit alone now. Um, maybe you had no safety, no love, no support. I, I, I had, I had that. I guess um, sort of. But anyway. My point is, even then, you you still are in this sort of psychedelic journey. Uh, maybe it's a bit hellish a journey, but it, it's psychedelic nonetheless, and you are connected to this larger reality, and it feels kind of good. It feels good to be a kid. It's magical. It's, it's wonderful. It's all connected up and, oh, twirly and curvy, and uh, even if you are alone, you're not really alone because you're in this sort of melty color madness. It all kind of feels good. It's like a dream. You know, even the nightmares are kind of kind of fun in a way because it's just like, whoa, that was an experience. I was in it. I was fully immersed in it. I was flowing with it. Um, and this sort of this flowiness of of childhood, uh, of of dreams. Uh, of course, we get this in psychedelics, and we get this in um, certain certain social experiences, or uh, even sol- some solo experiences as well. Um, but that is what we want, and that was what Christmas can give us. So, yeah, uh, I mentioned dreams. Um, we have happy dreams. We have nightmares. We have nightmares before Christmas. But in both nightmares or dreams, where is the self? Where is the ego? Where are you? How how many curvy, melty lines exist in dreams? How many squares and blocks and stuff are there? Even each scene, if you even want to call it that, you can't really break it up into scenes because it's such a, a twirly, gobbly goo messiness. All the scenes kind of melt into into the next, like a, like a kind of soft glue. Uh, goopy goopy goo uh it's like 500 movies all mixed up together a collage of 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 craziness but it somehow fits up and and you're not even there in all of it you're just i mean you're so there that you and the world you and that dream world are all one and that feels good even in in nightmares i don't know why i had some nightmares last night uh maybe i needed them for some reason you deserve them yeah merry christmas to me freaking starting off nightmares no good no good Anyway, yeah, it's a creamy, psychedelic, hyper-connected, trippy, highly immersive experience. Dreams, childhood, uh, psychedelics. Um, also, Christmas can be that way. Yeah, and actual psychedelic drugs like psilocybin and MDMA, yes, we can use them, but we don't need them. We have Christmas. We have each other. So take this Christmas day and spend it in enjoyable, immersive ways with people you love. Still, childhood does end. Puberty blasts you into summer off on your own, aware of yourself and all that confused, scared, unconfident stuff of being in your skin, kind of being alone, screaming through your brain, not knowing what to do, where to go, how to get what you need. You're all alone and scared and desperate. The battle, the quest for resources has begun and you you don't even know, it just hits you. You just wake up from that dream and you're slammed into reality. Christmas is gone. And you're alone on the bathroom floor. I, I think that's why we like childhood so much. We're so connected up and safe and one with the world. Not always, I know, but in general. 
It's also another reason why we like Christmas. Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. It's a Christmas episode. I'm going to say the word a lot. Each December 25th, huh, I found a, a synonym, seems to stack up like piles of papers, like a pile of each paper on top of each other with each December 25th of the past. Uh, one sort of marked with 2022, one with 2028, uh, 2008, 1996, and all the way back to when you were a little child. Those papers, those files, those memories get all crumpled up on Christmas morning, waking us up to our larger, larger self in time, across time, across our lives, showing us who we are across um, this sort of temporal space. The child and adolescent, teenage and uh, 30-year-old and every past version of yourself resurrects, comes back to life. Your life is connected. Your memories collide. Connection inside you, inside your brain across time. You have at least that. You have a life, memories, real experiences, things, good or bad, that happened in relationships, good or bad, many of them good, many of them great, some of them still alive, perhaps with some of the people here in the room with you around the Christmas tree basking in that fire, that campfire in the fireplace. I'm going to call it a campfire, even though it's a fireplace fire. Yeah, and yeah, you might fight with some of these people, family members and uh, and loved ones fight on Christmas. That's one of our holiday traditions. But if we want, we can so easily use this as, and we want to use this as a time for connection, of, of merging back into each other. And the trick for doing so is, well, one of the tricks for doing so is just like with psychedelics, start focusing on the world around you, the things beyond your individual body, mind, uh, meat vehicle. Uh, a tip for ending those Christmas fights. A tip, a quick tip, a hack. A way to start getting along is this: focus on some kind of external stimuli, any external stimuli. Ideally, something positive, something exciting, something sort of that you both enjoy, and share that experience together. Focus on the world rather than you or me or we. And when you get out in the world and just sort of be or do or experience together, the we will emerge. The me's and me's will become we's. Listen to music, uh, watch a movie, dance, or do something. Um, our physiology does not only match and mirror that of those around us, those people surrounding us. It also mirrors the vibrations, the things out there in our environment all around us, things we don't even notice. The world full of uh, all kinds of sights and smells and sounds can overpower the negative energy of your two or three or 10 human bodies. Let the music, let the magic, let the atmosphere, let some kind of shared experience act as a bridge, taking you out of the valley of doom and fighting onto the mountain peaks of love and connection, laughter and jolly, jolly magical goodness. Let the world, some positive external stimuli or experience, glue your social bonds, the two of you, the five of you, whatever, back together. Become children again, falling down and getting back up, forgetting about the fight and the losses and everything that went wrong because the world is way too magical and beautiful, especially on Christmas. Get lost in that world and get lost in each other. Let your bodies and minds sync up and dance with one another to the beat of the holly jolly environment in the background. Take in the sense, take in the sights, smell the smells, make some music, dance your bodies around each other, and take your gingerbread man and their gingerbread man and smash it into one giant super 3D gingerbread man that 
you can both eat and enjoy, and it's never going to end as long as you keep freaking merging. Yes. This brings me to another point. Sounds. Uh, sounds like those from music, uh, but also from our own voices, have a direct, strong impact on our brains. Our neurons, our, our nerve cells, literally sync up with beat to the same frequency of the sounds out there coming in through our ears and then kind of swimming through our brain and um, into our perception. So if you hear some low frequency, say, I don't know, 20 hertz or 40 hertz or whatever, your neurons are going to start pulsating, spitting out neurochemicals, dancing electrochemically at that same frequency, that same rhythm, 20 hertz or 40 hertz or whatever the, it is. Um, just a random number, random numbers, but this illustrates the point I'm trying to make. And this is really, really interesting when it comes to Christmas because what is one of the core features of Christmas? It's music, Christmas songs, carols, uh, singling and ding. And for the most part, Christmas songs have a certain kind of flavor to them. They tend to be at a, a higher frequency, you know, like a din 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 Okay, okay, yeah. Rudolph the red nosed reindeer. Something like din 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 kind of stuff, right? You don't even, we don't even know the words. We just go din din kind of craziness, right? Yes, um, some are slower, but in general, they're they're pretty fast and kind of hypered up, hyper energyed up, and kind of happy and nice, right? And and, and songs at higher uh, frequencies, higher pitched um, sounds, and, and that are faster. Those tend to lift our mood, make us happier than we were before listening to the song. Christmas songs also have, often have that that kind of deep late night FM DJ voice, you know, kind of frosty the snowman, chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Too, I'm, I'm not, I don't have that FM DJ voice. I, 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 I'm sorry, Chris Voss. I want to do it. I can't do it. Let us know, let us know, let us know. It's beginning to feel a bit like Christmas. Yeah, I don't know. But, you know, you get, you get the point. Some of these songs are going to, oh, yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. Oh, I can't freaking do that one, dude. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <sighs> Whatever. Um, yeah, that's the thing. You know, you can't, you can't just choose your voice either. I'm trying to. Frosty the snowman. I got it. I got it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, such sort of low, deep, calming voices. I mean, mine's not that low uh, or deep. Maybe I, I, I hit it one time. I, I'm not sure. I'll re-listen and probably wasn't as good as I thought it was. But, yeah, those literally turn down the excitement in our brain. They calm us down. They, they sort of cool down the neurons, uh, reduce excitement, the communication. Between these nerve cells, there's just literally less electricity, less sort of, less neurochemicals spitting out, helping us feel safe. Like as if that, that singer, me in this case, is your friend. He ain't gonna hurt you, attack you. Well, how is someone with such a smooth, silky, low voice hurt a little, a little baby like you, an innocent soul like you? I'm your Christmas angel, and everybody loves you. Merry, Merry Christmas from the bottom of my heart. I'm sorry you guys had to listen to that thing. It wasn't even me. It was like some, some weird DJ, uh, late night DJ uh, ghost that freaking uh, stole me, my body for a minute. Um. Anyway, you, you, you don't feel like that singer, that, that person singing that song is, is going to hurt you, attack you. Um, that, that, that sort of smooth, uh, silky, low voice um, helps dial down the frequency of the communication between your neurons, more serotonin, more calm, uh, more GABA, more kind of inhibition, more feeling of safety, uh, good inhibition, kind of just like let's relax kind of inhibition, not like I can't do it, I'm not enough. No, you're good, you're confident. You're just going to chill 
you're chill because you're already good. And Christmas songs tend to contain more positive, happy lyrics also. They're not talking about monsters or breakups or goblins or anything like that. Not, not dark stuff. They're talking about happy things or inciting sort of positive actions. You know, rocking around the Christmas tree. Dun, 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 dun. Frosty the snowman, he's a jolly holly soul. Yeah, well, that's not, that's not going to scare you. That's not going to make you cry. And, then, and there are a billion songs like this. And yeah, some of the lyrics are complete nonsense. You know, like jingle bells, jingle bells. What's that all about? What the heck is that? Feliz Navidad, prospero año y felicidad. And that's not even English. Those aren't even words. You know, but even such, we like uh, this silly meaninglessness, these, these sounds. It lightens the vibe. It's playful. We might not even know what the lyrics mean or what the song is trying to say or express, a lot of these sounds are just sounds, you know? And they were written by someone who was really probably high on a lot of things. But most of the songs make us feel good, happy, positive, uplifted, and, and that's enough. We, we know the vibe. We know how we feel. We don't need to know what's going on uh, with the words and the uh, semantics and all that. We feel safe with these songs. They're good guys. These singers are our friends. Well, yeah, sort of. Uh, they're, they, they, they at least sort of warm us up inside, make us feel um, good, and bring us a smile. Yeah? It's probably also no coincidence then that uh, most Christmas songs also tend to be in major keys. Major keys, which usually makes things sound happier, less sad. Yes, there are some sad songs um, or songs in minor keys uh, that are slower, more depressing perhaps, you know, um, like like what? Like maybe a we three kings dun 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 dun, or or that one uh, that one on Home Alone, the the whole like I threw some some darker stuff at the end there. But anyway, um, and that one that one's not very slow either. But it 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 is kind of dark if you really listen and sink into it. I mean. Uh, I, I I like it. I like the song. You know, I would totally listen to it. I, I like it, but I don't want that kind of vibe on most days of my life. Maybe sometimes when I'm like on some creepy little adventure, you know, trying to do something no, up to no good, or uh, I don't know, sort of just just flying through some uh, green purple trees, not even knowing what I'm doing, not feeling good. You know, kind of liking it, but I don't want to be there usually. That's not that's not the kind of thing I want. Come on, man, calm down. This is not good. It's all sad and creepy and shit. Anyway, maybe it's for those people who who are alone or on Christmas without friends or family or whatever. Maybe people on a on a last ditch hunt for happy neurochemicals. You know that maybe that's the sound. Some of the sounds that are are playing in their brains. I I hear it sometimes. I don't particularly like it. Sometimes I do. And and serotonin isn't the only happy chemical we seek or enjoy on Christmas. I mean, I, I have been rambling on and on about it. I've been singing. I've been pretending to sing these songs, which I think was probably definitely the worst part of this episode, but um, there are more songs coming. No, I'm just kidding. Um, there are more neurochemicals. Songs, we will see. Another neurochemical, uh, well, it's, it's sort of a hormone, a peptide, a neurochemical Frankenstein hybrid mix thingy, um, but yeah, it's oxytocin. Oxytocin. That doesn't sound like a... Frankenstein, but yeah, it kind of is what it is. It's a nice Frankenstein. It feels good. Yes, we get oxytocin through touch. Imagine Frankenstein touching you. No, that's that's not oxytocin. Imagine your mother touching you, or like some beautiful goddess um, touching you, just rubbing your chest and taking off your shirt. And it is uh, Christmas. I, I I'll be back in a minute. I I, I gotta go. <laughs> anyway, yeah, oxytocin 
touch. For example, by sitting on Santa's lap, even as an adult, you can sit on Santa's lap. They don't tell you this, but um, it is um, actually allowed. And provided you feel safe and that you trust the guy, you will get a surge of oxytocin. This is a fact. Uh, or perhaps you could play Santa yourself and have a bunch of random little people. Hopefully it's consensual. And hopefully they're not that little. That's kind of weird. It's pretty weird. And it's um, as long as it's pure Santa business and all, all that stuff's all those dots and T's are covered and whatnot. Yeah, you can have all these people line up and sit on your lap. You can even brush their hair. Um, let them know it's completely allowed to uh, that they can pull on your beard. Maybe kiss them on their head, you know, give them a little kiss, tickle them. Uh, yeah, playing Santa or using Santa will increase oxytocin. But you don't need to to go through this such a uh, elaborate role-playing efforts. Plus, you got to buy the costume, and I don't know if he wears makeup. You think he's got blush at least? You know, there's a lot of things involved in this. Then you got to get permission, get probably some kind of permit, and buy the freaking chair, the giant ass chair. You don't know where to buy the thing from. It's a whole process. I think the mall might provide it. I don't know, but you got to figure all that out. It's a whole research process. If you got to buy all the stuff, it's probably a lot more expensive than you think. I don't think you even make money from it, but yeah, you you get a bunch of people sitting on your lap. Yeah, so do something simpler. You know, maybe um, you can simply touch, hug, kiss, sleep with someone you love, maybe uh, hand someone a candy cane and accidentally like let your hand brush theirs while you're doing it, make it feel like it's an accident, but you're not kind of just kind of giving a little, getting a little touch on the wrist perhaps, you know, that might, that might get you a few drops of um, oxytocin, I, I, it might create cortisol in them, uh, depending on how you do it, ideally you want uh, you both to feel good and, and sort of a trusting uh, kind of mood, but yeah, things aren't always ideal. Yeah, so maybe you can go take it further. You want a little bit more touch. You can you can uh, kind of drop the candy cane, kind of let it slip through your fingers just as it's about to enter theirs. And you know uh, they, they they go down and grab it. You go they go down and grab it. You gently kind of bump each other's heads. You know, both trying to pick it up. And you slip and uh, clothes fall off. And one thing leads to another. You fall into each other's bodies or roll around and tickle each other for a while. Maybe you get married. Maybe maybe show the candy cane. Maybe one look for me, one look for you. That kind of thing. Um, there are a lot of ways to to increase touch during the holidays. I, I mentioned some of them, like the sort of falling candy cane trick, um, the, uh, becoming Santa. Uh, but there are a lot more. And it is Christmas after all, so you can make all kinds of excuses for weird things uh, to do, just to you know feel good or whatever. Uh, just do something, do whatever you do, um, as long as it's not weird and it's, it's basically consensual. And and just just like if it doesn't go good, just say just say Merry Christmas. Hey, Merry Christmas. Have a happy holiday afterwards. And then another, you know, like, oh, it's Christmas. He's just he's just trying to be friendly. He's just like a jolly guy. And it's not just about touch or or, or lactating. Yes, if you know someone who is lactating during during the holidays, do not. Uh, let this opportunity slide by. This, this, this is this is good stuff. You know, uh, this might be a, a, a great opportunity to uh, suck uh, to suckle on those breasts. That will, and assuming of course you both like it, increase oxytocin in the both of you. Uh, give Santa even, um, you know, Santa like put it out at nighttime. Give him a cup of that sweet hot milk, and maybe leave a little note. Tell him where it came from. You know, um, it's free range and. It's uh, organic, it's fresh. Maybe leave a picture of yourself with a smile. Maybe, maybe a nudie, kind of with the breasts and everything. Because you know, Santa is a male. He he is still human after all. He has needs. He has desires, and that will give him a big rush of dopamine when he sees those tits and he, and and when he drinks that milk and he knows it came from you with love. He's going to get a, a burst of um, serotonin and oxytocin. And if Santa's happy, we're all happy. You know what they say: Happy Santa, Happy Christmas. Show them your tits, and we're all good to go. Milk does a body good. 
And Santa's got a big body. He needs a lot of milk. But all, all joking aside, oxytocin is it's not really about touch or about breasts or any of this funny business. <laughs> tickle me, tickle you. It's really about trust. Trust. T-R-U-S-T. So anything that makes you feel trust with someone else, anytime you're giving it or receiving it, that is uh, going to likely increase your oxytocin levels. It's a feeling of, we, we are in this together. We, we got each other's backs. We got this. We are a team. We are a tribe. That kind of thing. Safe, social, or playful touch is a way to do this, but you can do it in a lot of other ways too. Smiling, uh, expressing certain thoughts and feelings and words uh, with each other, sharing certain experiences, whatever does the trick. Maybe there's nothing you need to do. The social bonds and trust have already been built. The bricks have been laid over the seasons and years, and the oxytocin just flows whenever you're around each other, or even just think about each other. You feel safe and protected together. This stuff, oxytocin, is often packaged together with other calming neurochemicals like serotonin and GABA. Your nervous system will feel more calm and relaxed in the sort of uh, soup of, of connection and safety. You're not going to die. You have each other's backs. You'll hook a brother up or, or beat a mother beep up if you have to, if that dude is coming at you. Yeah? Singing, that's another way to do it. Christmas carols, singing them together with one another or just listening to them or doing it on your own, maybe with random strangers at your door, um, just standing there, maybe kind of moving your lips along with them. Yeah, that'll also do the trick. Sinking all your nervous system up into a calm, cool state, flooded with serotonin as well. Uh, oxytocin, GABA, serotonin, you get the whole mix of that goodness, that Christmas soup. So even if you don't have anybody to spend Christmas with, Maybe you can uh, go down to the town square. Do they still have those? Go to the town square, um, some church somewhere, and listen to people sing, or even better, join a group to sing with. Even if they didn't invite you, you just sing anyway, or, or, or go to some weird uh, Christmas concert or, or whatever. And I, I don't know why I said that's weird. It's not really that weird, but, but yeah, it's not a typical concert. These are some quick ways to blunt that cortisol and adrenaline and all that pum, 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 heart pounding and breathing madness and, and balance out that with some of those low, that sort of lower energy, relaxing stuff. Increase those plummeting levels of serotonin and dopamine and oxytocin levels that you would have otherwise had from your solo, isolated Christmas. You tend to have lower serotonin, lower dopamine, lower oxytocin when you spend time alone, especially on Christmas. Um, but yeah, you can rise those back up. You can increase those levels by singing, by watching people sing, by doing it together or alone or whatever healthy way that you can find, you're going to get back all that happiness, all that safety and calm and excitement even, in a way that doesn't involve any kind of post-Christmas hangover or crash. Santa's sleigh just sort of keeps smoothly flying, flying through the night and just fades off into the distance. You don't even notice it. It's not crashing down, freaking smacking into chimneys and stuff, breaking people's uh, SUVs. Once you realize that you have something or believe in some hope that you will or can have something, even if it is with this fleeting group of strangers, these singing people or whatever, that might be enough. Enough to get you out of the Christmas blues, to get you feeling okay, okay enough. Enough to get through this winter. And then you might get some other ideas and start, you know, stacking these serotonin uh, tricks, sources on top of one another. Still, maybe you don't want connection. You don't want to be connected. You don't want other people. You don't like them. You might like being alone on Christmas, especially if you're an extreme introvert. You probably, you might 
want to be alone a lot of days, maybe even on Christmas, if you're that introverted. But be warned, your brain can easily fool you into thinking that that is what you want, into feeling that you're okay and happy all alone, when deep down, what you seek, what you really, really want is connection. Yeah, you like to be alone, you get freedom and all that, but eh, you want connection. You have this sort of social hunger. You want to go to that side of things. Since you cannot currently have the social connections that you want, you adapt and, and find a way to be happy alone. For example, it has been shown uh, in, in mice, in flies, and also in humans that when we spend too much time alone, we release this peptide called tachykinin. Yeah, yeah, weird name, super weird name. It sounds like I'm making it up. I know. I guess some kind of a thing out of a sci-fi movie or book, um, something you'd hook up to a spaceship or something, but it's real. It's real. It's inside you, especially if you're all alone on this long winter night. But what it does is it helps us feel okay when we're alone. Um, but then, yeah, we're all happy in, in our cave, but when we get back out into the social world with other people, when we leave our socially isolated um, cave of ours, we find that we don't want to be around other people. We don't like these people. Um, this happens in flies, in mice, in humans, and, and other creatures as well. Uh, when we are thrust back out into the social world of, of fellow human beings, perfectly nice people, probably who mean no harm, who, who want um, to, to be our friend or whatever, we begin uh, feeling this, this kind of uh, aggression or irritation towards them. Our amygdala lights up, fear rises, we get aggressive and irritable. Uh, think of like a like the Grinch, or, or Mr. Scrooge. These guys clearly definitely had a lot of tachykinin. They uh, adapted to a solitary life away from the outside world. And, and when others came crashing into their, their world, their inner world that they were perfectly happy in, that felt like a threat. They got aggressive, angry, and mad and, and, and retreated back into their cave and screamed at those people. They went into their house and uh, pushed out, locked that door, and said, no more Christmas, I don't like you. Even if deep down they, they wanted to connect and to have friends, which it seems they obviously did, and to not spend Christmas alone, they didn't know how. They they somehow felt better alone. That's how they knew how to live. Their brain found other ways to release serotonin and dopamine and whatnot. So if you are someone who is somewhat socially isolated and find that when you go outside and interact with others, and not only on Christmas, but anytime, that you get agitated and angry and, and all that negative stuff, know that that's normal. It'll take time to let all that tachykinin leave your spaceship, your system. It'll feel bad for a while, but like the Grinch, you will learn to love people again and find a way to gain happiness from being around others. I mean, the Grinch, he was stealing all their gifts. What a freaking tool. What a butthead. But then when he gave the gifts back, his heart grew Three sizes. Oh my God, three sizes. Is that even possible? I don't know. doesn't even seem safe. But he has heart grew three sizes and yours can too. Let's now spend this time to talk about gifts. Christmas is, of course, a season of giving and a season of receiving gifts. And that makes sense given everything that we've talked about so far. If we have plenty of resources, then logically, uh, what do you do? You might give some of them away and that will increase both serotonin and oxytocin. Abundance, right? And and here's the even more magical thing. Even if we don't have enough resources, even if we know we don't have enough, and yet we still give or receive gifts, we will 
still get a splurge, a big splurge, a big splash of those happy chemicals. Because by giving, we sort of trick our brain into thinking we do have enough. And therefore, maybe we do have enough because that's how it works. Why else would we give resources away? You don't got nothing, but you're giving it away? That doesn't make sense. You must have something. Meanwhile, it creates these social bonds in both directions for both for both people on on both sides. And an alliance is strengthened. A potential friendship is created. So worse comes to worse, you feel, and even if only unconsciously, that you could share or pull your resources together, help each other in times of need. That you are not alone and therefore your odds of dying or suffering are much, much lower. Connection equals safety. And gifts are a way to build the plus sign in that equation between you and the other person. Of course, there are other ways to strengthen that plus or addition sign. For example, safe and social touch or play, quality time spent together, and many, many other uh, things to kind of strengthen that bond between you. But gifts are a big one, especially during this Christmas season. Man, this topic is so super big. I don't even know where to stop and I'm not going to stop. Not yet. Anyway, there are different kinds of gifts. Some make us feel really, really good and others make us feel kind of meh or even bad. And one differentiator seems to be the expectations and predictions involved in the gift giving. Uh, so now we're kind of diverting into dopamine territory, and that's okay because we need to go there eventually anyway. Dopamine is another core uh, ingredient of Christmas. Not the core ingredient, at least not if you want a truly happy Merry Christmas, but m- maybe it is. Um, still, pretty core. And it could be the main ingredient. You could have a, a Christmas that is just fun, pleasurable, full of surprises and highs and lows and excitement and action. And, and that might be the kind of uh, Christmas you want, uh, especially at certain times in your life, such as when you are a teenager or or young adult or, or you're single or maybe even a, uh, when you're a kid. But for a lot of us, we use Christmas for not so much that a kind of excitement, uh, action-based energy, but we more kind of seek that warm, close feeling of connection, calm and safety, uh, it's not time to get all high and cracked out. Still, we do uh, all sprinkle a little bit of crack here and there uh, throughout our, our holiday season. Little drops of dopamine in the air. Yes, of course, in the form of sugar. That's probably our, our main one. Lots of sweets and sugary madness during this time. Cookies, uh, candies, stocking stuffers. Uh, that's all dopamine, pretty much. Very addictive stuff. We've all heard about the mice who chose the sugar of the cocaine. What kind of mice are you hanging out with? And we have also probably firsthand experience of uh, sort of being that mouse, not, not with actual cocaine, but uh, you know, choosing the sugar in the form of whatever sweets or baked goods or carbs or whatever we love most over the, the, the food or the thing or the action we should have been eating or doing instead. A lot of us are addicted to sugar, and that's a fact. And this dopamine is literally sprinkled throughout the holidays. Imagine it like this. You have this uh, Christmas tree, trees, nature. That represents serotonin, connection, calm, having and being enough, chill, cool vibes. And atop the Christmas tree, you've got a star or angel representing our connection with something larger, some larger force or world or reality beyond ourselves. That's all chill and good. But then covered all over that peaceful little tree is is bright, shiny, sparkly things, ornaments, Christmas lights, maybe even actual sweets and candies like like candy canes. Uh, that, that's, that's a bunch of balls of dopamine. 
That's what that is. And then the presence down below, more dopamine, surprises, goodies, more things, probably made of plastic. Nowadays, the, the, the tree might even be made of plastic too, but that's another point. And, and, and the same thing's happening in, with music, movies, and all kinds of other things spread throughout the Christmas season. These sort of splashes of dopamine, these highs uh, that are kind of painted across this calm, connected canvas, the serotonin all around. And presents can and often do represent and provide dopamine, but it depends on your expectations and predictions surrounding that present. If we already know what's inside or if we actually chose the present ourselves, my parents, for example, especially when we got older uh, in our teenage years and after that, uh, would often ask us, what do you want for Christmas? What do you want for Christmas? And and, and then we'd, we'd, we'd tell them and pretty much know with 100% accuracy, 100% what we'd be getting for Christmas. We might even have um, gone to the store together with them to help pick it out. Or maybe they, they tried to surprise us, especially when we're, when we're younger, uh, but we snooped through the closet and, and found what was ours and we figured out the code written on the presents. Yeah, that's how we were, little, little craps. Um, so we knew what we are getting, but we all uh, kind of played along with the Christmas charades. The, the, the gifts got wrapped. Um, we unwrapped it, all that stuff, in delight, with smiles, but there were no surprises. Our expectations were simply met, met, and our prediction was correct. Thus, maybe we got a little bit of dopamine because it feels good. It still feels good to get new things, and, and we'd probably be looking forward to discovering and playing with uh, the hidden unknown features of our new toys or video games or whatever, but the receiving, the actual receiving of and opening of the present itself, the gift was just like, eh, we became focused on the object, the thing, the noun, not the verb, not the act of giving, which was a sort of whole point in the first place. The relationship between the giver and the receiver is, is lost in such situations. The focus gets put on the object, the toy or whatever itself, and that's just a less happy Christmas, less dopamine because less excitement and surprise and novelty and prediction error um, in the positive direction, of course, hopefully, but also uh, very little serotonin because the gift didn't feel quite as real. This is even more exaggerated if you simply receive a gift of cash or a gift card for Christmas. Still, better than no gift, probably. Uh, it does form some kind of serotonin oxytocin bond, and, and money's always good, right? But in terms of that relationship between the two of you, um, yeah, it's not the strongest uh, social glue. And it does give you uh, some dopamine. I mean, it's new stuff, and fun stuff, and stuff you like, probably, and it didn't have, but now you have. So you got that, but uh, I don't know. There are better, more serotonergic and dopaminergic ways to receive and to give gifts. Now let's look at the completely opposite story, that experience of when you have that wrapped box ribbon on top underneath the tree. You didn't even see it there until Christmas morning. You're like, where did that come from? And it's got your name on it. Maybe it even has some, some strange shape and feel that you cannot even identify. You have a few guesses running through your head. Maybe it's this, maybe it's that. I'm not really sure. Maybe it's like something that's never been created, something made just for me. You have no freaking idea what's inside there. And then you rip it open and it's a surprise. Whoa. And if you like that surprise, which it seems like you do, that will give you lots of dopamine. But of course, 
there's a risk to surprises. That's why they work. If you don't really like it, if the receiver doesn't like it, then the opposite will happen. Yeah, you, you might still get the, get the serotonin. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks, dad. But the dopamine crashes down and instead you are disappointed, perhaps even a bit sad or angry. That gift under the tree did not contain dopamine. It contained cortisol. Merry Christmas, you little shit. Go grab a cookie, bite into those angel wings or crunch into frosting someone's head, eating him alive, ball by ball. If you're not happy with a freaking present I got you, you ungrateful little crap, as your dopamine levels rise back up and you forget about the whole thing and then crash back down and rip open that stupid game that I bought you that you, think you say you didn't like. This is wrong when. This isn't what I said. It's different. It's the same thing. You start playing that game. Complaining. And you thought you didn't want it. And you start playing it and it's not that bad after all. It's better than expected. Whoa, what a great surprise. This trash is actually kind of cool. And you ride that dopamine train through level three or four uh, until your little sister or whoever unplugs a Nintendo 64 because she wants to watch My Little Pony Goes to the North Pole, a show that never even existed. Feel free to rip off my ideas. Yeah, so Christmas can be this tug of war, push and pull between having and wanting, serotonin and dopamine, connection and solitude. One of those sides is not necessarily better than the other. I really like the both. I mean, we all want both extremes or a mixture, a certain mixture of both. So I might be theorizing that, yes, Christmas is the season of serotonin. You want connection. You want connection. You want serotonin. You think you want to be alone. You are wrong. No, I mean, you're right. If you will, you want to be alone, maybe you want to be alone, but you might. Maybe you want more. Think, think about it. Maybe you just want to get high and have fun. That's totally fine. Girls just want to have fun. And it's never that simple. We always want both. Freedom and connection. Uh, excitement and calm. Novelty and predictability. Solitude and social life. Chaos and order. Comfort and growth. This never-ending seesaw is labeled with thousands and thousands of concepts and words. I'm not going to list them all, but you know them, you feel them, you struggle between them. Personally, at this time in my life, though, at age 37, alone in Japan, I do want all the, I do still want all the exciting, arousing, pleasurable, fun, novel things. I, I want to be out there plummaging, voyaging across uncharted waters, uh, slashing through those forests, finding and experiencing new treasures. But on Christmas, even though I was alone this year, I must admit, not quite of my own choosing, but kind of perhaps, I, I do want connection, but I, I, I like this alone time as well. Still, I must admit, I, I, I want love. Whatever that is, it's hard to express. A relaxing time together with someone I like, people I like, to feel safe and calm around other human beings. But that was not how 2023 um, spelled out. So maybe next year, you can't just have calm and safety and social support for free. You got to plan for it and work for it. So I'll, I'll do all that, do all that work, put in those social actions, um, those gestures and stuff that build the friendships and uh, go to the places that I need to go or, or whatever. I'll do that throughout 2024. And hopefully next year, next Christmas, I'll be cozying up around a warm fireplace next to a Christmas tree um, with presents, um, with my name on them, or maybe not, um, but it's still mine. I'm just kidding. Smells of, of pine and, and peppermint and sounds of sleigh bells and ho-ho-ho overhead and, and people uh, I love all around me because you can so easily have friends, have love, 
have social support, if you let yourself, if you go out there and put in the actions, the effort, the time to make it happen. I've been so focused on this podcast and my own little uh, secret projects and things that I, I, I neglected my my social needs. I, I I choose podcasts and books, listening to and and and, and making them. I haven't really made a book yet, but yeah, I, I read a lot of books. He reads books. He's showing off. And, and and I did make a lot of friends. I mean, not friends, uh, people I interviewed on this podcast. That was that was really really satisfying. I haven't had such deep conversations uh, in a long long time, not since my university days. And even then, um, this year was was the year of of, of deeper, more meaningful conversations around topics I like. Even one of the one of the people, my old favorite author from back in the day, from ten years ago, who I interviewed, Loretta Bruning. Loretta visited Japan for her. Uh, part of her 70th birthday celebration, her and her husband, last week. And I went up to Tokyo, and and, and we spent the whole day together drinking coffee, eating pie. I had I had a blueberry pie. I think she might have had an apple pie. It's sort of uh, not important. Anyway, we're talking a lot, laughing a lot. I, 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 I think I made her laugh a couple of times, and that felt really good. Um, yeah, we spent the whole time together. It was super, super nice. Uh, we even had a beer. Uh, and although I do not... Uh, much like alcohol, I, I do like good people. And if beer can be a ticket, part of a ticket into that beautiful human soul out there reaching into me, a, a way to merge together, sign me up, drink up, drink up, drink up. Yeah, give me five. But no, nah, I don't want five. Um, there are other ways. We don't need alcohol. We don't need to rely on, on such substances. So even if you were alone on this Christmas day, remember back, like I'm remembering back to last week, uh, maybe you need to remember back uh, even further uh, a few months ago or even years past. But think back on and imagine and appreciate those beautiful memories you had with others um, throughout this year or, or throughout your life. Maybe it was months ago. Maybe it was um, through Zoom. But there were real connections, even if not with you and other humans. It was between you and some animals or some some plants or some nature uh, or God. Something was there. You were not alone. And remember those times. There are people who love you. You are not alone. And as my mom said on her dying bed, you do not want to be alone. God, she was right. But sometimes I do. It's also beautiful that this is a a Christian holiday. And although I am not a Christian, do I need to freaking cite Bertrand Russell there? I do find it beneficial to look out far, far beyond myself toward the stars or heaven or beyond space and time any day of the year, and especially on days like this. The mysterious reality from which we all emerge and which we all will one day return to, um, I, I like to sort of uh, look into that space and, and sort of um, be there, which we are inextricably entangled with, even if we sometimes forget. We in the world are one, whether that world is here on Earth or somewhere bigger and better. <laughs> I don't I want to say better. I like earth. Anyway, uh, you can also go to church on Christmas or any day um, to feel this feeling. Listen to that choir sing from the front of the chapel, staring at you. Uh, they're not actually staring at you, but you can pretend they are. Um, or those angels and gods and things um, from the heavens above, the stars himself uh, singing a spangled banner to the tune of Feliz Navidad. Or stay home, pray, Meditate. Do imaginary perception type exercises. Imagine you are connecting to various things. Um, draw these sort of lines between you and the, the things around you. See, oh, how, how, how are we connected? How do we relate with one another? Do I love you? Do you love me? Meditate on those connections. Imagine in tens or hundreds or thousands of ways uh, how you are not alone. And that's not just imagination a lot of times. A lot of those connections are real. They were just invisible. 
uh, imperceivable to you. You couldn't see them because you were too focused on other things, probably on yourself. But light those connections, those beams of relationships between you and the world and between you and other people and other objects, light them back up, illuminate them. Those are the most real, the best kinds of Christmas lights. String them up, plug them back in. Those lights between you and other people and other things and other worlds, oh, yes, those are definitely better than even the best, highest quality uh, ones that you can buy on Amazon or other online shopping providers. Um, Amazon is not a sponsor of this podcast and they never will be because they probably don't need me. Speaking of religion, this is also a fun time of year to just suspend, to just totally suspend logic and rationality, to unfocus, to bring a little mystery, fantasy, uh, magic back into your life. We know Santa Claus is not real. Uh, well, uh, you know, now you do. Um, but it feels good to believe in him, to kind of say, eh, Santa's coming to town. We, yeah, we better go to bed because we don't want him to freaking see us uh, like peeking through our door. Yeah, you, can, you, can even, you can even do that sort of peek through the door thing, kind of staying up waiting for Santa Claus, listen to the radio, see when he's going to come, you know, pretend like you're a kid again. Hey, you know, just go through all the... All that, all that kind of stuff, totally cool. It's fun. We all want a little fantasy and magic in our lives. We all like those Christmas movies that suck us into a whole other world that we know is not real, but we feel so good pretending to be in. We kind of just pretend it's real, and then we are in it, that that's our world. Leaps of faith are, are my favorite things, not just on Christmas, any day. Yes, you might fall. The person or experience or world or life you are jumping towards might not catch you, but taking leaps... Leaps into the unknown feels so good. So find little, not too risky, but maybe pretty risky, jumps, especially social uh, jumps throughout your life. I'm also a big fan of existential jumps, jumping into new kinds of ways of being, alone even. And do that throughout this year, throughout the rest of your life, definitely today. Uh, Tell someone you love them. Uh, Give a gift that you're not sure if they will like. Do something crazy socially. Uh, in, 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 a, in, a good, in a good way, something that might build uh, a new social bond or strengthen an existing or blossoming relationship. And when you do that, I can promise you, you will not be alone. You will not, you will not feel alone. Even if 80% of the time you fall, you get rejected or whatever, it's just wasted time, wasted effort, wasted money. The other 20% or 10% or whatever will make up for all of it, all those stupid losses and rejections, and wastedness. You really only need a few good, solid souls in your life. A couple friends, a brother or two, even if they're not biologically brothers. But if you never take the leaps, never take that gamble, risk getting hurt or rejected or being socially awkward or isolated or whatever, you will be isolated. You will be alone. Show yourself and listen to others. Melt into each other. Little action by little action by little action. You were alone this Christmas, probably not because you took those leaps of faith and fell, but more likely because you hid away, cowered into your shell, didn't take those leaps at all. Perhaps you ran away, failing to catch those people jumping into your arms. Open your eyes, open your arms. Yes, keep your safety sensors on. Don't let all those dangerous things come get you and grab on you and whatever, but you're going to have to take some risks. You're going to have to put in some work and you're going to have to fall and feel like a loser sometimes. Social connection don't come easy. Pimping ain't easy either, by the way. A few more random scraps that I missed. Um, some things in my Santa sleigh. 
well, basically my uh, my notepad here in front of me that I'd like to mention before we finish up. Um, yeah, I'm just gonna sort of splatter out randomness for the next, uh, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes or so, whatever we got. Okay, music, music. Music, like I mentioned before, connects us up with the world, the vibes around us. It changes and retunes our our body and brain, but it also connects us up with time. Lights up all those different Christmas lights through time that connect up our life. So those Christmas songs you're listening to, they're so etched into your brain, pounded and pounded in a good way, like a little little Christmas hammer, into it year after year, even often going back to the time before you could even speak or read or uh, have any kind of linguistic or seeming cognitive abilities. So when you hear that song, all those past memories, conscious and unconscious, come back alive. This kind of reminds me of uh, that, that, that documentary. Have you seen that documentary called um, Alive Inside? You can find it on YouTube, probably, unless it's been taken down. Anyway, um, it's about elderly people with dementia, Alzheimer's and stuff like that, and they can't remember like anything. They're super dummy dummies. Look, they're looking. Oh my god, these guys are not not in good shape. They're not even talking, asking questions. Like, you know, I, they, they got dementia. That's, that's what it is. And then and then they get some headphones put on them, music that they like and that they listen to uh, throughout their lives, and boom. The memories come back. Their face lights up. These people with dementia start speaking and talking and talking, and the memories are back and alive, and, and, and their face and everything is all back into existence. Their previous self merged back uh, and resurrected into um, what they are, this old body of theirs. It supposedly has dementia, but it seems to be talking perfectly fine to have a properly functioning uh, thought, uh, speech, system. It's amazing. And music doesn't just do this for people with dementia. It does it for all of us. So when you hear those favorite Christmas tunes, all those unconscious or forgotten or dusty old memories light back up, bring you back to life. You're transported back to the multiple points of time in your life. You're no longer a little dummy dummy just remembering where you are now. You're remembering the past. It's all coming back. In satisfying sense of connection, you boom, 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 memories flooding in, stacking up, connecting into a little cool little network that you're feeling, that you are being in sequence and simultaneously. That might even be a more satisfying sense of connection. Even more than that, social, the social ones, um, connection with your friends and family and whatnot. This connection with yourself, your life, your story, your memories, your existence, time itself all smashed up, connected together. Ooh, that is the best. That is what we really, really want. A life that, that makes sense. Okay, what else have we got in the sleigh? What's this one labeled? Foods? Yeah, foods. Um, some foods that I missed. I, I wanted to mention hot chocolate just because I love it. I love it. I love it. Love it. I finished off a can of it today. Not the whole can. I've been working on it for months, but the can was finished. It just happened to be today. Um, that's how it works out. Hmm. Especially, I love that high cacao content stuff. Ideally, 100% or very close to it. No sugar, none of that stuff added. Uh, cacao, in, in its purest form, is loaded with Theobromine, theobromine, the food of the gods, perfect for a nice Christmas day, right? Love you, Jesus, which helps open up your cardiovascular system, your blood vessels and veins and digestive tract and a lot of things. Connecting your body up uh, with all these little pieces all working in synchronized harmony, uh, nice choir singing inside of you and, and letting everything flow again. The song singing through your blood, through your body, and smooth, delicious harmony. And then, another present, what I got, it's labeled mistletoe, mistletoe. Nice, 
very nice to kiss somebody, perhaps even a random person, a random girl, a guy, whatever, under that plant that seems to never exist at any other time of year, and which I have actually never seen. To my disappointment, I've always wanted to kiss someone under some mistletoe, but I don't even know where to get the stuff, and I don't know what kind of parties or how how houses or places uh, have it. Um, I, I've seen it in the movies, but I don't know how to stand under the movie mistletoe. I don't think that really counts. So, um, yeah, maybe that's like one of my bucket list things. I need to get myself some mistletoe and, and, and get get some kisses. Okay, what else do we got in here? I'm really just spilling out random presents and um, perhaps turds, probably from the reindeer. Most likely because there's a lot of them on the reindeer. They're probably eating those, those turnips from the field that they weren't supposed to be eating. They ate up um, Mr. Uh, Frederickson's uh, cabbage field. He is not happy about that, and he is writing a complaint straight to the North Pole. Anyway, um, maybe they're Santas too. Maybe, or maybe Santa's blaming them on the reindeer. We don't really know. Anyway, there'll be some presents spilling out, some turds, probably some other things, some, some uh, pine cones, for example. Uh, yeah, half-eaten uh, bales of hay. It's like uh, it's a Santa. I'm, I'm, I'm Santa right now. I'm not Santa. Uh, anyway, okay, please stick with the metaphor. Um, it's like I'm, I'm Santa um, and I'm, I'm kind of uh, somewhat drunk driving now. Uh, though I'm not actually drunk. This is just a metaphor. Um, tossing presents out uh, from up above, flying over the house, kind of not, not too high, but kind of you know, hovering around. Kinda, he's a little, you know, he's drunk. He's drunk driving. He's kind of swiggling around, uh, kind of maybe scraping some of the chimneys, but eh, he's up there. He's basically uh, hovering over most of the houses. Anyway, up there, tossing presents out, you know, some landing uh, down the chimney, you know, hole in one, a freaking swish, but others getting stuck in the tree or even uh, breaking some windshields, um, the presents landing in the wrong house, and on and on, uh, et cetera. Kids crying, wife screaming at their husband, saying this isn't what he wanted, you got him the wrong toy, and saying, oh, it wasn't me, Santa. Um, anyway, but it's not his fault, it's mine. It's Santa's fault. Santa's been a bad, bad boy, and he needs a spanking and a lump of coal shoved up his beep. What? Come. <sighs> yeah. Hopefully, my future employees do not listen to this because this is not the kind of uh, stuff you want on your resume. Uh, yeah. I'm just gonna spill out all the goodness right now. Empty the sleigh. Whatever we got, it's all gotta go in no particular order. Uh, midnight is falling. Santa is gonna turn into a turnip and a sleigh uh, into a cardboard box and the reindeer into mice. We want to end this episode before all that happens, before the magic wears off. Maybe the transformation has already begun. I can see my, I can feel my hands tingling, uh, turning into ugly, uh, a freaking haggard old scarecrow. Anyway, let's toss out all the rest of this half-wrapped stuff. Smells. That's the next present we got out there. Hey, who wants the smells? Yeah, take that little Johnny. A few things about smells. Yes, they really trigger and are tied up with memories. We all know this, memories and emotions. They also hit our system really quick since they, unlike our other senses, bypass the whole journey through the thalamus and all that uh, you know, stuff, uh, this way and that. And they get straight into your perception. None of these little pit stops and rest stops and all that. Going through here, go through here, little checkpoints in the brain. Come on, just give me, give me, give me what it is. That's what smell does. We just get a quick hit. It's argued that we even uh, gained the sense of smell before any other sense. This sense of smell is more primordial and visceral. You know that older than even things like vision or hearing or or, or any of that amazing stuff that we have. That, equipment that sensory equipment that we got Ooh, i like seeing things i like hearing things but smells wow 
That is pungent, strong stuff. I cannot ignore it. I feel it. I feel emotions. I feel my memories. Wow. What the heck is this? So they really affect us on a deep mammalian, reptilian, basic bodily level. They're way beyond words and and packed with even more information. Emotions and memories uh, that we had even before uh, we might have had conscious thought, uh, certainly before we had uh, linguistic thoughts and memories and things like that. Anyway, this is not an episode about smell. I just wanted to mention, just not rock it out, <laughs> some of the nice Christmas smells, as if you didn't already know them. Uh, we got peppermint, pine, fireplace, chestnut, cinnamon, uh, marshmallows, gingerbread, sex. No, no not uh, gingerbread men having uh, sex. There was a comma there. Gingerbread, comma, sex. Anyway, some of the Christmas smells are relaxing. You know which ones these are. Probably the marshmallows, the fireplace, maybe maybe not the sex. Um, then we have things like pine, mint, cinnamon. Those are going to fire you up, um, turn on the alertness and focus, wake you up, give you more of that dopamine, action-based kind of stuff like adrenaline. I'm not going to get into how each individual smell affects you because I'm running out of fuel. I'm kind of hungry. I've been talking for an hour. And really the best way to learn about all this is to consciously, uh, personally play around with different smells and notice how they affect you. Whether um, they get you more excited and energized or whatever, or whether they calm you down, relax you. If you want some quantitative data on it, you can uh, try to measure how they affect things like your heart rate, your HRV, and breath rate. I don't know how easily you could do these things, but you gotta watch. You can, I don't know, use your imagination. In general, though, if you start looking at that data, I don't know how quickly it's going to react, but the longer or more exhales will mean more calm. Longer or more inhales will mean more excitement, more arousal, more information coming in, more ramping up the system. Higher heart rate, likewise, more excitement, more energy. Um, I'll probably do an episode later on this, focusing on the smells of the season. Maybe I can call it like a, the 12 smells of Christmas or something. Uh, maybe next year. I look forward to that one. Put in your calendar. Don't, because I'm just saying this right now. I'm not really sure. But yeah, main point, some smells, specifically pine and mint and cold, kind of wintry, uh, kind of things like that, that will wake you up, arouse you. Not necessarily sexually, but perhaps sexually. You you could have some sort of sexual uh, arousing uh, from such smells, especially um, if they're coming from a partner that you like. And some of the warmer smells... Ones like marshmallows and fireplace. I don't fireplace is that even a smell? Why why did I put that in here? I don't know. I like I like the smell of fireplace. Those might calm you down. But really, um, basic point uh, beyond this is any inhale, regardless of the scent, it's going to more likely wake you up and energize you. Any inhale, even if you're smelling lavender or baby powder or baby butts or whatever, don't snort baby powder. Smell baby butts unless it's yours. It's, not, it's never really yours. You can't smell people's butts even if they're baby. I don't know. Uh, do what you got to do. And and the baby powder stuff that's just bad news because you know there's a lot of uh, uh, people might misinterpret that. You might get in trouble, kicked out, uh, you might get deported. Anyway, whatever you're smelling, even if it's sort of these relaxing things. Hopefully not baby butt. Hopefully not baby powder. That's not a good look. Uh, it's probably not even safe. Maybe maybe dangerous. Don't snore baby powder by any means. But it does smell really good. Anyway, um, whatever you're smelling, whatever you're inhaling, anything, even these somewhat relaxing things, are still going to fire you up. 
some things like mint and, and pine and, and cinnamon, uh, whatever else exciting thing you can think of, will uh, more likely fire up your system than other smells, trigger off those uh, neuro circuits associated with focus and alertness and whatnot, uh, give you kind of cold shower ice bath in your brain. But if your goal is to calm down, just skip all the scents, all the inhaling altogether. I mean, you have to inhale, but don't, don't be you know, snorting stuff. Um, and focus instead on the exhale. The exhale will calm you down. The inhale of scents, smelling in general, will wake you up. Okay, sex. Woo, this presence is called sex. Do you want it? Do you want it? Oops, I went to little Billy's house. Ooh, his daddy is going to be quite happy. Since I already mentioned it, let's talk about sex. Yes, let's talk about it. Of course, um, since this is a season of connection, of spending time together, uh, people will be in their house more. There will, therefore, probably be more sex. It's no coincidence then that most of the most common popular, common popular birthdays occur in September. September 9th, September 9th, is that your birthday? I don't know, and maybe it is. 9th of September is supposedly the most common birthday. You do the math. And like I mentioned, Christmas isn't exactly only one day long. There's a kind of pre-Christmas buildup and a kind of post-Christmas uh, after party, starting after Thanksgiving and ending uh, whenever you take all those uh, Christmas decorations down, maybe in early January. So yeah, actually all but one of the top 10 most common birthdays occur in September. I'm just going to list them off in descending order because I know you want it. September 9th, as I mentioned, as number one. Then we got September 19th, 12th, 17th, 10th, and then July 7th, 7-7. I guess it's a lucky number and everyone wants a lucky baby. Perhaps that's why. Then we got September 20th, 15th, 16th, 18th. I, th- I feel like I'm listing off uh, uh, raffle numbers. And if any of your birthdays was called, then congratulations. Your parents were banging, jingling, jingling their bells during some Christmas season past. I did the math for myself. I'm pretty much sure I was, uh, I'm pretty sure New Year's Eve was the night. The night when the magic occurred. Now it makes sense why on my one-year-old or two-year-old Halloween, I, I saw a picture of it, my parents dressed me up as a New Year's baby. What kind of costume even is that anyway? What do you, what do you wear? It's like some little sash, like a, like a Boy Scout sash is white and it said like New Year's baby on it. It wasn't the most subtle costume. It's kind of naked-ish. Uh, I guess New Year's babies are kind of naked. Uh, it's the laziest, cheapest costume you could find. Anyway, that's what it was. This was my first costume and now it makes sense. I was a New Year's baby. Anyway, I am not alone. A lot of us were consequences of holiday festivities. Here in Japan, what most couples do on Christmas is this. It's a very simple formula, sort of rule, uh, kind of script that a lot of people kind of just seem to follow on Christmas in this time of year. So this is what you do in Japan. You, you get a girlfriend, you get a boyfriend, you get married, whatever. First, you got to get that partner. Yes. Got to get it a little early. You can't wait till the last minute because, you know, things start getting booked up and people get booked up and you're kind of left and scrambling and it's not really a good look and it, 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 it doesn't really work. You got to plan ahead. First, you got to get that person in your life. Get a girlfriend, get a boyfriend, maybe get a little bit of both. And then here's where the fun begins. Christmas time. This is the moment you've been waiting for. Um, the guy's probably going to be paying for the whole thing, but you're going to get your get some bang for your buck. What you do is this. 
go out to dinner. It's Christmas Eve. Ha ha ha. Laugh, talk, smile. Yeah, have a little dinner. The hotel's already booked. You know you're both going there. Go to the hotel. You bang. Maybe bang again. Maybe one last time in the morning. It's Christmas morning. Merry Christmas. Here we are. Just to get your money's worth, you want to do it again or maybe a couple more times. Exchange some gifts, some non-fluid ones at this point, and enjoy a little uh, post-celebration Christmas day together. Walk around, have some lunch, say goodbye. I wonder how many September babies there are in Japan and how many unintended marriage engagements proposals occur in, say, February, March, or April. <laughs> yeah, staycation. We just wanted a staycation, but the staycation became a laycation, became a parentification, incarceration. I'm kidding. Most people do not regret having kids. It might, it might feel like a kind of incarceration, a, a loss of uh, a freedom at first. Uh, I wouldn't know, uh, but I've heard, I've imagined it. it, it I imagine it, it, it would it, it'd feel kind of bad. But yeah, you might lose your freedom at first. You might feel a little bad. Your connection status will rise. Your sort of um, freedom level will, will, will go down. You're, not, you're going to feel different. Uh, but in the long run, you're more connected. You have more status. You have uh, more safety. You've got ties to other people. Like you're literally just tied to other people forever. You're not going to be alone. Or maybe you are. Uh, but it's going to be harder to be alone. Anyway, um, I'm supposed to be wrapping up, right? What are we doing? Uh, yes, more presents. I got a few more here. I got to go, but let's just get rid of this one. Yeah. Another cat, another dog. Oh my God, what is that thing? Is that a baby? Oh my God, I broke the baby. Ah, whatever, that's enough of them. What's in this one? Oh, it's a freaking repeat. It's another thing about marriage and Christmas and stuff. This should have been wrapped up with the, with the, with the last one. What's it doing off here on all its own anyway? Yeah, something about December. December is actually the most common month for marriage proposals, which makes sense because even if you haven't knocked her up yet, this is a season of love and connection, of not wanting to spend your time, your life alone. Find that love. Be together. December, December also happens to be wedding season in some countries. India, I know that's definitely the fact, a random fact. Uh, I learned this on one trip to India myself firsthand. When I went there with my friend, we visited, we stayed with his family. We're staying with his family, uh, just enjoying some time, you know, getting some chai, getting taking a nap, uh, you know, eating some nods and some curries and samosas and all that. Um, but sprinkled throughout this trip, we'd be like, we'd hop in the car with his family and we didn't know where we're going, and doors open up, and we get tossed out into this uh, random wedding. It happened so many times. I got thrown into like five different random weddings. I was wearing a t-shirt and jeans because I thought we were just going to some restaurant and going to see some sites or something. Anyway, fun stuff. Um, yeah. So if you go to India in December, bring a wedding dress. No, you're not getting married. You're just gonna watch it. Uh, you probably won't even because you're you're not invited. I was lucky. I got really I got super invited like multiple times. Oh, okay, um, we got a few more presents here. Let's do 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 do. Oh, this one is labeled Memory Lane, Michael Wade. Okay, let's open this one up. Um, I'm not even gonna throw it down. I'm just gonna open it myself. One of my earliest memories, earliest Christmas memories, actually earliest memories overall. Uh, I must have been three or four. I was spending Christmas alone in a hospital. Um, I haven't been trapped in a hospital ever since actually I, I learned that i learned that lesson i learned not how to get sick <laughs> kidding. um maybe part of why i i'm all obsessed with health now maybe um uh, freakishly obsessed with it perhaps um I, I do not want to be alone stuck with some santa claus and grandma and grandpa sitting on the foot of my bed i want mom i want mom 
I want people I like, not 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 those people. Yeah. So I wasn't alone actually in that hospital. Grandma and grandpa wait. I love grandma wait, grandpa wait. It's not a story. Anyway, they were there. Uh, but huh, that's not what I wanted. I wanted I wanted mama. Mama gai. Mama gai. So you say I, I want mom. That's what babies say in Japan. Um, or at least I wanted daddy. I wanted dad. Yeah, something someone actually. I don't know. Uh, I knew who I felt safe with. Anyway, that was a, a memory. Um, I got a toy police car from the Santa in there. And why? I, I don't know. A white police car, but I liked it. Um, it had a, a little toy, a tiny toy garage that you could put it into. You just kind of wheel the car in there, kind of close the garage door. Super cool stuff. The girl next to me, um, who I did not end up dating, um, I didn't even ask, end up asking her out. I didn't end up asking anyone out really until I was about 19 or something like that. But that's another story. Um, yeah, she got some Barbie doll, obviously. Uh, probably some generic knockoff version, uh, Plarby or Vlarby or um, something like that. Anyway, she seemed like she liked it, but we were in sort of the same uh, situation. I could see it on her face. Uh, same state. Happy to get a present, but ultimately alone and wanting out of this place. So that was my uh, first taste of life as a Lone Ranger. I ended up sort of choosing that path later on, which is typical of a lot of men, a lot of males, and a lot of Americans, Westerners and stuff. I'm not, not, I'm not trying to paint this kind of Westerner vibe, you know, Lone Ranger on the ranch, you know. But there were probably a lot of other events and variables involved um, in making me uh, more kind of solitude-seeking individual. But yeah, that Christmas uh, in the late 80s, or maybe it's 1990, I don't know, was likely one of those events, one of those life-shaping events. Um, one more present, it's titled Voices. I told you, these are random presents at this point. You just got to take what you can get. We're going to chuck it out there um, and let it fall where it lands. Yes. Voices. Like the vocals in a song or the voice of the person they're talking to you on Christmas Day. Um, when there are more ups and downs, a wider range of frequencies and tones and stuff in that in that voice and those vocals and the Lyrics, for example, that makes us feel safer. Songs in general um, tend to have more ups and downs. No one sings in a flat, monotone voice. Well, most people don't. And I don't know if you can consider that singing. Um, and that kind of song wouldn't really relax you. That kind of um, singing songiness, the more up and downness with twists and turns, the playfulness, the improvisation, the range uh, exhibits a singer or speaker with a healthy healthier nervous system. They are feeling safe and social. They are less likely to be aggressive or attack or hurt or say mean things to you. So we like such vocals from songs or um, from other people. You can also boost your own mood by kind of opening up, widening the range of your vocals through speech or song or both. And back to the topic of tryptophan containing foods. Uh, this is another present. You can check it out there right now. As a tool for uh, increasing serotonin, we can use tryptophan, right? I wanted to mention my personal favorites. Not that it matters, but yeah. Um, play around with, test different meats like fish, chicken, and turkey, and various different carbs. Um, and take note of which ones really relax you. Some of them, or certain combinations of them, will relax you so much flood you with so much serotonin because of how they just match up with your personal biology that they might even push you to sleep, just knock you the beep out. Yeah, that's how I feel when I eat 
sweet potatoes. Sweet potatoes are my freaking magic Z trick, especially if I eat those together, sweet potatoes with chicken. Chicken and sweet potatoes. That dinner will put me to bed like like snap. Some kind of magical sleeping pill works almost every time unless I'm high on caffeine or something. So play around with different tryptophan foods, carbs and things, and, and find your natural sleeping pill. On Christmas or non-Christmas days, this is generally another reason to push back all of your carbs to the nighttime. Uh, try to avoid them during lunch and instead eat them for dinner when they are simply more useful for your given goals at that time of day, namely to fall asleep or at least uh, relax. You don't want to be eating them in the afternoon for lunch, especially not if you want to get some cognitive or physical or cognitive and physical work done. But it's Christmas after all. It's winter vacation, hopefully. Sorry if you have to work. Unless you enjoy working, then I guess congratulations. Or That's awesome, man. Merry Christmas. So sleep all afternoon. You got the day off. You got the week off, right? Who cares if you're productive or not? You don't need to be productive. It's time to unfocus, to kind of unwind. It's that time of year. Snuggle up with some loved ones in non-sexual or sexual or semi-sexual way, whatever works. Okay, next present, movies, 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 movies. Okay, one quick note about movies, películas. Have you noticed how we don't watch a lot of exciting action-based literally action or horror movies or thrillers, suspense, war documentaries, serial killer documentaries, things like that uh, during the holidays. Yes, we have Die Hard, which is kind of semi-action, but it's basically kind of heartwarming, uh, nice little comfy little film, right? Uh, we tend to enjoy more calming, relaxing, warm movies, movies like movies with less action, more connection, uh, things like romance, comedies, fantasy, magical stuff, playful, happy little flicks that don't bother us it just makes fun it's kind of nice I mean, nothing too serious uh, nothing that's going to sort of jerk our uh, emotions around in, 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 in scary uh, roller coaster kind of ways nothing that's going to spike our dopamine and or adrenaline uh, that's going to keep us up at night put us into action fear desire survival mode that's what Halloween and summer blockbusters are for likewise with music which I know we already talked about but anyway um we're probably not craving uh, heavy metal or hard rock or even hip-hop or EDM uh, at this point in time. We want some more relaxing, calm, and happy music. Something positive, something like uh, Christmas songs. Perfect. That's freaking perfect. Maybe some love songs. Maybe some R&B. That feels right. That feels just right. And it keeps our serotonin and oxytocin and feelings of connection Flowing, flowing, flowing like a river through our brain. Not making us hide away, defending ourselves, attacking each other, fighting over things. Uh, there will be some of that. Christmas cannot suddenly uh, help us completely overcome our human, our flawed human nature and become perfectly peaceful little angels. Fights will occur. But remember, in such cases, find something outside the two or three or four or 10 or 12 of you and hopefully something kind of positive, music, uh, some experience, some place, whatever, and be there together. Just be there. Share the positive experience together. That'll wash all that negative goo off you. The vibes from that experience, that world you are all in, will infuse itself into your being. Reprogram your body and brain. Literally retune your brain cells. It'll reflect this new rainbow-colored, positive-colored light 
onto the mirror that you are. And if you are too angry and or aggressive because you just came out of your cave, your hole for the first time in a long, long time, like a uh, reverse bear, reverse hibernation, and you're full of tachykinin, just expect to get all aggressive and frustrated and angry. It's what it is. Um, but try your best not to hurt others. Recognize that those negative feelings are normal. They are what protected you in your isolated state. And maybe you want to go back into that isolation. That's an option, an option that often looks very attractive to me, I must say. But listen to your heart, meditate, journal, all of which are things you can do uh, when you are alone in that place where you feel happy, comfortable, and safe by yourself. Even more, these are things that you're probably especially better able to do when alone, in solitude. Perhaps you must be alone for them. So solitude is not a bad thing. Being alone is not a terrible thing. But if you feel deep down inside that you hunger for more social connection, some people outside of yourself, that's a signal. That's a sign. Go outward. Listen to yourself. Take it as a cue. Try to connect. Expect a bit of a mess at first, but knuckle your way through it. Try not to punch those knuckles into others um, verbally or physically or in any hurtful way, but you might, and that is what it is. But It'll get better if you wait, if you keep going through it. Those stormy, demon-looking faces all around you will start to transform into rainbows and kisses and angels and uh, your favorite little things. You'll, you'll probably come to love some of them, feel better, happier when with them. Some of them, yes, you'll love. Some of them, not. They're just going to stay little demons and craps. The dopamine and serotonin you previously got from being alone, now you can get even more of that, perhaps, with each other. These happy chemicals uh, coming from these social bonds and experiences might even be better, might even feel better than what you used to get alone in that cave of yours, doing whatever you were doing. You can have both worlds, though. You can have both worlds. You can go in and out, and that's really the key. Finding status, pride, safety, gratitude, confidence, aka serotonin, through both solitary experiences and social ones. Likewise, Finding things like novelty, adventure, excitement, risk, pleasure, and on and on, aka dopamine, through both the solitary world and the social one. Individuality and connection, the inside and the outside, me and we, yin and yang. And one more point about gifts, since the feeling of surprise or the exceeding of expectations really is what gives us a lot of that dopamine, maybe an even better way to give dopamine gifts to others is to give them uh, a gift on a random day when they don't at all expect anything. Not Christmas, uh, not their birthday, not Valentine's, not uh, your anniversary. You can, of course, give gifts on all those days too. And depending on the relationship, a lot of relationships, you're probably better off uh, doing so, but not all relationships require gifts. I'm not really um, from a gift-giving family. I don't expect or need many gifts. I don't, I don't give a lot of them. I probably should, but Anyway, my father did load us up with a lot, though. <sighs> yeah, we got, man, you should have seen that floor. We should have taken a picture of it. Presents spilling out um, from the tree all the way uh, to the front door, basically. No visible living room floor. It wasn't really necessary. We didn't ask for it. I think we might have, but we weren't really sure what was normal. Um, now that I think about it, uh, it, it was not normal. But as a kid, <laughs> that was absolutely amazing. We loved that, man. A deep bath of dopamine a freaking forest of presence amazing stuff anyway you don't need to do that if you're a father you don't need to do that don't do that don't spoil your kids like that i'm, I'm happy i was though Whew, that was amazing oh my god 
I haven't got a present in years. Um, I guess that's how it works. You know, you get you get it all, you get them all, and all my presents came when I was a child. Now I, 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 I get some, but it was not like that. That was insane. Just ask my brothers and sisters. And anyway, um, we kids, uh, but yeah, we, uh, but yeah, poor father, man. Um, we 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 kids kind of started expecting. Uh, more and more gifts each, you know, counting how many did he get, how many did I get, what's it worth, what's, we're kind of doing, doing numbers, doing math and the whole thing, uh, what a mess that must have been for my mother and father. And also, it just kind of became normal to have a certain number of, of, of gifts. And the, as years wore on, we kind of got habituated, addicted um, to Christmas's past, and we wanted eh, a little bit more, a little bit more. We expected more. In order to keep that buzz, keep that dopamine going, keep it flowing, keep us kids happy and quiet, um, to keep us high, um, <laughs> poor father, man. Um, thank you, though. Uh, that was amazing, man. But that's pure dopamine, dangerous stuff. Um, you'll never feel like you have enough uh, when your system is running on dopamine. Serotonin is a much cleaner, smoother, um, sustainable fuel if you can allow yourself to get there. Not as exciting or pleasurable or spicy as uh, dopamine, but very satisfying. And as we get older, we tend to shift toward uh, that kind of happiness, that sort of fuel, if you will. Anyway, no more presents anymore. The father can finally take a rest. Anyway, where was I about the random days? Yes, we can give gifts on random days. That can provide both a powerful serotonin and um, dopamine punch uh, for a lot less uh, money and effort, actually. Both the giver and the receiver can feel better for less. The giver, for example, can feel feel this kind of excitement and happiness and pleasure from seeing how happy uh, the other person is when they open that thing up or when they when they see that person they got. And um, the giver can feel status, calm, enoughness, serotonin by giving things away. Ah, I have enough, a feeling of abundance. Likewise, the receiver will feel positively surprised and excited. Dopamine, you be negatively surprised, which will have the opposite effect, unfortunately. So yeah, you gotta gauge how creepy or weird or inappropriate or appropriate uh, giving this gift at this time to this person person at this stage in the relationship uh, would be, but if if you assess the situation and, and relationship and, and timing uh, correctly enough, it will likely provide that loved one, the receiver, with a positive splash of dopamine, as well as some serotonin and oxytocin, because they feel connected to you, bonded with you, like your resources are kind of their resources, so they're, they're safe. Um, even if they fall, uh, you can kind of help them out. They can relax, calm down a bit. Yeah, it's part delusion. It doesn't mean all those hopes and imaginations are real or will continue to be real forever and ever. Your stuff is not their stuff. People do break up. People can be selfish, but still, it's a, it's a positive sign overall for your social status, sense of safety, uh, connection, survival, and so on. Unless the gift is uh, perceived uh, to be part of some uh, Machiavellian plot, um, you're like, why are you giving this to me? Otherwise, it, uh, barring weird situations like that, you're going to feel better and more connected from this experience of having received such a random gift on a random day and with low expectations on random non-holiday, non-traditionally gift-giving days of the year, it'll be even easier to surprise and delight someone. Even a much smaller gift will do the trick. To illustrate this, although I know you don't need an illustration, it's a pretty basic point, and you're like, I got it, I got it, yeah, come on, get on with the show, what is the next present? Um, yeah. I'm going to open this one up anyway. Illustration present. I still remember and smile. And oh God, it's so amazing. At this time when I, I got a $1 tip from a 
customer, this old man, um, when I was working at Wendy's, you know, the fast food restaurant, when I used to work there as a teenager, I might have been 20, about 19, 20, something like that. Anyway, beside the point, I worked there for a few years and one time, one time I got a $1 tip and oh my God, I did not expect that. It's a fast food restaurant after all, right? And that dollar, that felt amazing. That that person, uh, I, 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 it probably didn't mean that much to him. I don't know, but he probably felt much better giving that $1 tip to me than uh, giving a $100 tip to some you know, entitled waitress at some Applebee's or something. Um, and I, I, I felt amazing too. I mean, imagine I was working at some restaurant, like some fancy, uh, I don't know, Outback Steakhouse or something like that. And uh, I, I got some some 15% tip or 20% tip. I'd be like, okay, yeah, that's what I deserve. That's not cool. I mean, it's cool, but I don't care. It's just my normal pay. I would forget about it. I wouldn't even notice that. I might even get angry about it, you know? There are these workers, these waitresses, these these nicer restaurants. And there's these situations there where the, the waitress or waiter or whoever uh, gets only a 5% tip. You guys forget something? Do I want someone to run to a restaurant? And I lost a little tip. And she's like, did you forget something? I'm like, oh, God. I don't want to be back in the USA, man. I don't, I don't like this stuff. Uh, yeah, but they might get angry. I only got a 10% tip. And feel sad. <laughs> I get angry. I feel sad. I get any dopamine or serotonin or any feel-good chemicals, even though they got the tip. Can't appreciate it because they just met or failed to uh, meet their expectations. So what are you getting instead? It's kind of grungy, cortisol, um, adrenaline, negative versions of adrenaline, not the good kind, flooding through you. It's all about expectations. It's expectations, predictions. And when you are wrong, in a negative way, that doesn't feel good. You can be wrong about the predictions in a positive way, and that feels amazing, obviously. That's dopamine. So give your version of that $1 tip to someone, a stranger or, or, or someone you love, a, a man, a child, whatever, and they might just remember that experience and bask in that experience forever. A human connection that will never be lost, at least not through memory. Here's one more trip down memory lane. I... Uh, broke my arm when I was seven years old and I went to the hospital. They gave me a wheelchair. I didn't need it. I broke my arm, as I mentioned. But yeah, it kind of made me feel better to be in that in, in that wheelchair. And this old man came up to me. I was still only seven years old. And I still remember this like, oh my God. And he says something like, oh, you poor child or something like that. And he, he walked away and I was like, okay, whatever. Um, still felt nice to have some guy say something to me. And then he came back and he got a payday, you know, those, those uh, caramel peanut butter things in his hand. I never had one before. I, don't, I thought they're for adults, you know, but he gave one to me as like a little present. It cost him a dollar, probably 50 cents or whatever they cost back then. And oh my God, that was amazing. Now, anytime I even eat peanuts or smell caramel, uh, or definitely if I see or eat a payday, that memory flashes back into me. I feel love. I feel connected. I feel uh, one with that old man. I don't feel one with him, but you know, I, um, that's a powerful memory. That that was, I did not expect that. I didn't even know the guy. And he gave me that. He gave me that payday. Um, God. So now I'm, now I'm connected to peanuts. Now I'm connected to caramel. I'm connected to um, the Mars company or whoever made that thing. Unfortunately, I don't want to be tied to them, but I'm tied to some kind of corporation. It is what it is. Uh, that old man who's probably dead, but he's still alive in my memory. Wow. From a simple little action, a simple little gift, random little gift, random little stranger, a little boy in a wheelchair. He didn't need a wheelchair, but apparently he needed some love. Let's wrap this whole Christmas episode up with a colorful, visual, easy to remember metaphor. And it's not even a metaphor, really. 
We're just talking about Christmas colors, red and green, as if you didn't know them. You can remember everything we've talked about today by just remembering and thinking about these colors. Green equals connection, serotonin, oxytocin, safety, sociality. Sociality, is that a word? Socialness, being social, that calm and relaxed feeling of having and being enough. And red, red equals desire, seeking, pleasure, aggression, all that action, resource-seeking, dopamine, adrenaline, outward-facing stuff. Here's another way to remember it, the Christmas tree and all the stuff all over it. The Christmas tree is mainly green, that color that represents calm and connection. It's even uh, the color for a lot of social media apps like WhatsApp and Line and WeChat, I think. Can't use the Chinese thing, so I don't really remember. And also for safe social places for connecting with others like Starbucks and uh, Whole Foods. <laughs> Whole Foods? You can talk to people there, right? So that's sort of the base, the background, the green, the, the backdrop for Christmas. It's what most of us want as a main ingredient for this day. But that green tree is covered in splashes of red, ornaments, Christmas lights, candy canes, etc. You don't want just a naked tree chilling in your room, a simple pine tree uh, sitting there like like you're living in a, a, a one-tree forest, nothing on it, nothing on that tree. Though that doesn't sound that bad, right? Having a tree in your house, it's pretty cool. But it is a bit boring, not very exciting. So how about some splash of red and, of course, other uh, colors here and there? That kind of balances things out. Likewise, we want a little dopamine, some excitement, pleasure, and surprise infused through our Christmas holidays, our life. Sex, candy, sprinkles, cinnamon, jingle bells, jingle bells, a sleigh ride through the snow, a winter adventureland, treasures and pleasures and surprises and fun and funny things randomly spread across this silent white snow-covered hill. Let's all play out there together, wear some red, wear some green, enjoy the alone time, but also remember to connect, get your serotonin, but also get your dopamines, dopamine, let your nervous system dance to a nice balanced rhythm, boom, 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 create a nice kind of song for yourself, whatever you want it to be, between these two modes, whatever feels right, don't get stuck, let your brain bells jingle, be a snowman, be a Santa, be a loner, be a lover, hop on that sleigh, play in the frosty rain, fly through the sky, splatter red and green paint across space and time, Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the brain.